Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Friday, the 15th of April. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Welcome to the spike. Uh, Spare us the royal bores on tour, says Jan, writing in the mail today. She's as bored as everybody else is of ludicrous pictures of two supposed adults with children playing with bows and arrows and these vacuous conversations they're having. Uh, Secret to a happy life. Walk in the park, apparently. The human tide hits uh, new heights. Vernon Kay and his favourite gadget... Uh, Kerry Cotona, for some reason, they must be desperate for guests on this morning. They had to drag her on there to explain why she was drunk when she uh, pulled her tracksuit bottoms down. What a waste of space that woman is. Seriously, they must be dragging the canal to find guests. It's that bad. Also, Charles Kennedy's estate has been left to his son, Donald. It's worth about £800,000, which is actually not bad. And uh, as we say, never a day goes by in the real world where you don't have to suffer with the boring Beckhams. Yes, this time it's Cruz. Apparently... Uh, she's released uh, footage because they have to do it because they exploit every aspect of their dreary existence. And uh, they've uh, they put a video up of him singing. And apparently he's just like Justin Bieber. Uh, Cruz is 11, by the way, I should point out. You know, very shortly, Harper will be staging her own fashion shows. She's, what, four, isn't she? This is the little girl who goes with Mumsy and a photographer to have her toes and nails painted. Which little girls have, but you don't do it publicly. But because the Beckhams absolutely thrive on the oxygen of their very existence, uh, you have to put up with it. So now Cruz, the one who's been forgotten up until now, uh, is now going to be a singer. And one of, the, one of the bookies, I think, are putting odds on. He could be number one in the charts. And very shortly, we'll be saying, David and Victoria who? I'm hoping, actually, we can say farewell to the entire family. I'm so bored with them. They're so dull and so uninteresting and so desperate. It just smacks and smells of desperation. It really does. Uh, Stephen Fry said sorry for those uh, abuse comments, which, of course, we knew he would have to. Put it down to the fact that he doesn't know where he is from one day to the next. Uh, Also, if you want to keep fit, dance like Zorba the Greek. Uh, And also, there's another one of those silly little programmes on the television where sort of immensely rich kids flash their lives in front of you. Only this one's kind of rich and camp at the same time. But he's got, oh, he's got loads of cars. He's got over a million pounds worth of cars. He's so rich. His father's in property. What sort of property? I was looking at the mother. I thought she's let herself go. So, you know, opposed to spending all the money on cars, perhaps maybe some surgery. Might help a little bit. Uh, horror at the Holiday Resort of the block of flats collapses. And the UK jackpot winner has claimed the £51 million jackpot. Whoopee! Thank God for that. Thank the Lord somebody's claimed it. I was getting so bored with it. You know, let them claim it. Let them go and do something exciting with it. I couldn't really care less. Not many people are winning, but occasionally people do. However, over the airport, the sniffer dogs. I mean, useless with drugs, apparently, but great with sausages and cheese. Well, you don't want to... Sniff. The whole idea of the sniffer dog at the airport is to sniff out cocaine and, and drugs. And, uh, unfortunately, they weren't particularly good at it. So they'll have to just sort of pension them off. And the judge who tells the mother, you can't call your kid cyanide. I mean, really, there are some thick people out there. We know we see Kerry Coke Toner on the television. They don't come any thicker than her. Oh, I don't know. Loose women seem to have a panel made up of some very odd people, including poor Jordan, still struggling with the English language, but getting there. And Mario Falcone... Remember Mario Falcone? Yeah, he was the one who sort of used his mobile phone to full advantage as he was doing selfies and sending them to women. He says, I was too clever for Towie because he used used the word discombobulated, which, of course, is a word used by Ken Dodd, 
who is a comedian. Mario Falcone is a buffoon. That's all you could say about him. I was too clever. They wanted me to dumb down. Didn't have to go far, did you, love? Didn't have to go far to dumb down your life. But these are the people that we have to put up with. And Calvin McKenzie, he says, cyclists are a danger. They have to be stopped. We have to, we have to get rid of cyclists. They are evil. They are evil people who cycle in front of you. They've got no... And this time of the morning, actually, you do see a lot with no lights on. And they're the ones who end up in A&E because buses don't see them. And, uh, and pe- you see people... I mean, I've seen... You must have seen them as well. Cyclists who are cycling down the road with their shopping on the handlebars. You must have seen it. Or feeling like they're on their mobile phone. Or they've got headphones on. Those are the ones I run into. Those are the ones... I mean, because you, and you can hoot, but they can't hear you. Because they're too busy listening to their music. It's very dangerous out there. Very dangerous. It might be lovely in Holland, a place full of dikes, ladies and gentlemen, which is absolutely lovely. And they have uh, pretty canals and tulips and clogs and mice who dance in windmills. And they've got uh, Emmental cheese and Edam cheese and uh, also a ropey old porno district, which is mainly there for the Japanese tourists, you know, to go there and watch people indulging in things that we can only dream about in this country. Uh, what else we have? Oh, Robbie Williams is going back into the... <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I told you this, this uh, cold would deteriorate, and I was not wrong, actually. It deteriorated sort of yesterday. I think, actually, it's a combination of... The, I've had a lot of things to do this week. Uh, a lot of interviews. We did two yesterday. We did Julian Fellows, Lord Julian Fellows, and Miriam Margulies, and both a delight. You're going to be hearing a little bit later on a clip of Miriam Margulies. We're going to run her this week with John Favreau, who's the uh, director of the new Jungle Book. Did I mention the Jungle Book to you? I can't remember if I mentioned the fact that it's, it's so clear. They've all given it five-star reviews because you cannot tell where the CGI comes in and, and the, and the real-life acting stuff. It's brilliantly done. It's so clever. It's so clever. I defy anybody not to go and see this film and come away going, my God, films have moved on a pace. You know, when you look at the, uh, the original Disney, and this is a Disney film as well, filmed in 3D, and it's just terribly clever. I saw it on a, a medium-sized screen. I should imagine on the big screen it must look even better. But you can see every hair on, on the wolves. Every, every, I mean, it's just brilliant. It's just, oh, sorry. Just so we've got our new passes in at the moment. Uh, we've gone from little passes now to back to big passes with photo on. And actually, this isn't a bad photo of me. Must be taken some years ago. But anyway, it's, uh, it's not too bad at all. So we take all your texts and emails, 84850, steve at uk. Interesting how many people, you know, class themselves as successful uh, having left school at 15, which I did with no qualifications, but luckily I'd had a good education. I thought it was a very good education. Uh, so I learned how to read and I could write and I could spell and I can do all the usual things and I can string two words together. And that's called the, uh, the life school. I've been to the life school. I didn't actually want to sit in school much longer. I thought it was blooming boring, staring out the window, looking at the playing fields, thinking I'd rather be out there. Mind you, at this precise moment of time, I'd rather be back home in bed, I think, with a hot water bottle, but that's another story. And so, listening to people talking about their experiences of this guy who's in Sandhurst, and, you know, he's, he's done it through sheer determination. And if you put your mind to it, you can do anything. You want to stop smoking? You can stop smoking. You want to lose weight? You can lose weight. You can do anything you want to do. You just have to really want to do it. You have to want to do it. Uh, it makes me laugh now, now that David Guest has died it's amazing how many of them have crawled out of the woodwork to flog their, their little story about David Guest apparently Megan McKenna who's one of these old drunks who turns up on the television he was, he was going to mastermind her musical career 
He's never actually masterminded anybody's musical career. And we were, we were talking about him yesterday. We were having a sit-down and a little chat about where he came from. And the answer is, he was really a nobody. He was really a nobody, but he was desperate to be somebody. Desperate to be somebody. And I was right, actually. It turns out one of his companies owes nearly £500 million. So £500 million. That would be exciting, wouldn't it? £500 million. £500,000. So uh, we think that he's, he's probably died broke. The hotel was 1000 a night. I think he's got about 57 grand in the account. And, uh, and we'll see if it... Because he was thinking about doing another reality show. You're going to have to put up with that ghastly Colin Campbell creature. She's going to do a reality show based around that pile of bricks that she laughingly calls a castle. And so that was what we told you yesterday. And then the papers have repeated it today. And then uh, the VC, sold by... Uh, well, it was won by a World War One hero. He captured 180 Germans all by himself. Which is good, isn't it? And they sold it for over £300,000. Also, the advice for anybody buying a flat with a partner, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a close friend, anything. Sign a contract. And the reason I say sign a contract, because there is a story in the paper today, uh, most unfortunately, of a couple who were, who were going out together... You know, and you know, you know my my feelings on relationships. I, t- I tend to think that they're for certain people, but not for everybody. So they uh, so they they start a relationship, and uh, they see a flat. She buys it because she's got the money for it. He hasn't because he's a broke builder. And so what he does is he uh, he does the flat up. He puts in a wet room. He puts in a kitchen. He does it all up. Anyway, then they they finish. And he thought he was going to get some of the money out of the flat, which has gone up to about 400000 Not a bit of it. It's in her name. It's in her name. I mean, I thought, and I, that's why I say, you must sign a contract. I did it years and years ago with, uh, with a friend. I mean, donkeys years ago. And we thought it'd be, you know, two could live as cheap as one, we thought. No, no relationship, but two could live as cheaply as one. Anyway, uh, this person had different designs on me. Uh, to the designs that I didn't have on them. So the whole thing went a bit pear-shaped. And uh, we had to put the house up for sale. And then, so I then bought the other person out. It became quite complicated and also terribly expensive because the house had rocketed up in price. I think it had gone from 50000 to, I think, about 150000 in a very short space of time. So you can imagine, you've, you've got to find all the money and uh, then they went and claimed back from the council for money that they paid over. Do get a document. Do get a document saying that in the event of somebody leaving, you know, the house can be sold or the other person has the option to buy them out. Because otherwise you get yourself into a whole lot of trouble. In his particular case, in this particular, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. He's asking for 60 grand because I suppose of his time and his effort. He's a builder uh, who's not really worked full time since 2010. I thought we were crying out for builders in this country. I thought that'd be the one thing. And he put in a bathroom and a kitchen, so he's obviously quite bright. And he's very smart-looking, but they obviously finished. Her mother's come into it as well. It's it's a little bit of a family affair. But entertaining for us on the outside. But if you're going through that at the moment, I know exactly what you're going through. It's very, very difficult, isn't it? I was also slightly disturbed, in fact, more than slightly disturbed, at the fact that two children can walk off with a, a child a three-year-old child. I mean, to me, it brought back shades of Jamie Bulger, which is exactly what the what the papers have said. That you know, children, we have to. You almost need to sort of tie children to you, don't you? Or have some sort of, I don't know, some sort of leads that you can put on children so they don't wander away or you don't lose them, because they are prone to wandering off and doing things. And Jamie Bulger was was the classic case of a child who uh, who wandered off. 
It's all very disturbing. Very disturbing. Uh, I mentioned Robbie Williams going back in the studio. Can't imagine why. Who in God's name is want to buy his records? Nobody's interested in Robbie Williams. His day is finished. The last time he went out on tour, he was doing standards. You know, like Come Fly With Me and Fly Me To The Moon and all that kind of stuff. You know, his, uh, his creative juices, I think, dried up ages ago. But then, of course, we always knew that it was uh, his songwriter, wasn't it, Guy, who wrote most of the stuff. I think Robbie Williams in Angels wrote And Down The Waterfall. And that was the extent of it, which always made me laugh, because the uh, the Spice Girls managed to get themselves onto the writing credits of every single Spice Girls song. You see all their names on all the credits, and yet I don't believe any of them ever wrote anything at all. It was just some deal that was done, so they get the... Uh they get the uh, the royalties. But every time I listen, we've got loads of radio stations in this building. Seriously, I mean, we've got loads of radio stations. And I don't hear the Spice Girls played anywhere. I don't think I've ever been in this building and heard somebody playing this. I don't even know which one of our stations would play them. Do they fit into gold or would they fit into heart? heart? Well, I haven't heard them on heart. I haven't heard them. I know one of them works. Perhaps that's it. Perhaps because she works there, because Baby Spice works in the building. I wonder if she works there. They're not allowed to play them. She's on holiday at the moment, at the moment. So I wonder where they go on holiday. You never see that reported, do you? You know, Baby Spice, Emma has gone to Tunisia or Butlins in, you know, Redcar or something like that. I don't know where they go to. But uh, I wonder what the royalties are like when they come in. We must find out, mustn't we? I quite like that. Um, I'm an airline pilot. Steve, 2008, the airline went bust. I laboured on a building site for six months to pay the mortgage. Yeah, I think you could do anything, can't you? I mean, you know, if, if sort of needs be, at one point I was, I was broke, flat broke, years and years ago, and I thought, I'm going to have to rent a bedroom out. And then I thought, oh, God, I'm not sure about that. I didn't fancy that idea of having to share with somebody. And also, I've, I've had sort of friends who've stayed before, and I didn't like the experience. I mean, I really didn't like the experience. And then I thought, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, because we were, we were with somebody who, I don't want to identify this, this person, but they're a, they're a DJ, OK, they're a DJ, but they've been bankrupt twice. They're quite a well-known name. In fact, they're a very, very well-known name. And uh, I was saying, oh, so-and-so's getting on a bit now. Where are they working? And this friend of mine said, I don't think they are. They were, they were bankrupt twice. They were going to sell a record collection that they had for a million pounds. I said, no record collection is worth a million pounds. Nobody in this day and age is going to give you a million pounds because you can get everything online. And in the end, I think it went for about £100,000. Which, of course, if you're deeply in debt, £100,000 goes nowhere. It's going to just pay off some of the money that you owe to people. You don't don't get to keep it, unfortunately. And we, we were musing over... You know, people in their careers who've earned a lot of money. Kerry Katona earned a lot of money. Shoved most of it up her nose, of course, as we're now well aware. And you think to yourself, are you that thick? The answer is yes, of course, because you've seen her on the television. She's, She's quite thick. And, you know, to not think about saving your money, thinking that, you know, this might finish at some point. You know, have a little bit of a television career, and then the next thing, it all collapses. So there she is on this morning, because obviously some of their researchers and the producers must be aged about seven or something, and they can't get a decent guest for love nor money. So they put Kerry Katona on, because more than a week ago, I mean, they're that late with running it, she uh, pulled her tracksuit bottoms down and lay there because she was, she was drunk. And that apparently forms the basis of an interview. And then she says, I'm allowed to let my hair down every so often. Who gives a stuff what she does? I couldn't care less if she'd fallen out of the aircraft at a height of 32,000 feet. It would make any difference to me. Why would you put somebody on the television just because they're, they're drunk? What an embarrassment she is to the children as well. But there again, she did sit down with the children and explain, Mummy used to do cocaine. 
That's how embarrassing it is, really, in the life of Kerry Coke Toner, a waste of space from an early age. Nineteen, much was married to Brian, wasn't she? McFadden. He was another big waste of space. Nineteen minutes past four. Steve Allen on LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Text eight four eight five zero. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Doesn't matter where you're listening this morning. You might be driving a lorry. You might be staggering in from a club, as uh, Mark and Gay DJ are. They're over in. I think you're in Maspalomas, aren't you? I know Maspalomas. Uh, over in Gran Canaria. First time I went to Maspalomas, uh, Dale and I went over there and we stayed at this hotel, which I think is called the Rio Palace. And as you go through Gran Canaria, you go through garbage, garbage, scum, chavs, garbage, garbage, scum, chavs, 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 garbage. And then you go down this avenue and then right at the very end, before you hit the, uh, the sand dunes, uh, there's this Rio Palace hotel. And we we we, we sort of... I think Dale had booked it. Anyway, we, we were sort of... We went there and we looked at this hotel. Having seen all these scuzzy places on the way down there, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm not going to like this. We were only booked in for two days, two or three days. That was all That were all we were there for. And so we go to Gran Canaria and we go to this hotel, which was, frankly, the best hotel I'd, I'd stayed in in ages. The gardens were beautiful at the back. The, uh, the, uh, the pool area was beautiful. There was bougainvillea everywhere. You could eat by the pool. The hotel rooms were lovely. It was, it was just really lovely. And it was within about two minutes of the Yumbo Centre. And so we, we stayed for three days. We came back. We raved over it because it was so nice. Because it's always sunny in Gran Canaria. Well, more of that later. And uh, so we, we have a really nice time. We meet some nice people. Loads of Brits over there. Loads of Brits. And it was, it was really good fun. So we go back again. In fact, all in all, I think we went back three times. And uh, got to know some people. Had a nice time. And then the last time I went back with a, with a friend of mine. And... Um, it was a total disaster. We didn't stay at the Ryu Palace. We couldn't get in. But the group Ryu uh, had a hotel around the corner. Well, it was it was dreadful. It was like a building site next door to us. You know, six in the morning. Hola, hola. All this. Shut up. Feral cats everywhere. Wow, wow. Right outside the room. It was freezing cold. The rain lashed it down. I got food poisoning, which, of course, meant that I was laid up in bed. But because the place is so hot... Um, when it rains and goes cold, they're not, they're not prepared for it. There aren't any fires in the room. There's no central heating. And the blankets are about as thin as that. I mean, seriously, unbelievably awful. And uh, so I went to a Chinese restaurant, which was in the Yumbo Centre. It was ghastly. The food was terrible. And that made me ill. So that, In fact, I'll show you how ill I was. I poured a good litre of vodka down the toilet because it was making me ill looking at the bottle. Seriously, it was that bad. So I know exactly where you are in Maspalomas, but you're obviously staying in one of those gay hotels around there. Well, they have actually quite a number of people from here have been out there on numerous occasions because it's, it's fairly inexpensive. It's a duty-free island, isn't it? And so you can smoke and drink very, very cheaply. Taxes are really cheap, but nothing gets going until about midnight which, of course, throws me out completely because that's about the time I'm falling asleep. In fact, actually, I tell a lie. I'm falling asleep long before that. But it's, uh, but it's good that uh, Mark and... Uh, <coughs> excuse me, Gay DJ have just come back from the clubs and now waking up with, uh, with sort of coffee, which is probably the best thing to do, I should imagine. Waking up with coffee and sort of the sun must... I don't know what time it is over there. I don't know what time it is. You'll have to uh, let me know these things. I know nothing, as they say. I know nothing. So uh, text and emails, 84850stevedlbc.co.uk. Had a, had a lovely uh, lovely day yesterday. Went out for lunch with... Remember Paul, Paul Smith, the newsreader? Oh, okay. uh, went out with him. We had a very nice lunch um, in a nice little restaurant in Church Street. 
actually is owned by somebody that I know. And uh, I think Paul had scampi and I had, what did I have? Oh, chicken breast. It was very nice. Very, very pleasant. I could have done with sitting outside because the weather was actually gorgeous yesterday. And then I woke up this, and then I, I, I went to, I had to make a phone call. I was trying, I had to make four phone calls yesterday and I was trying to fit it all in. Because the time I got back from lunch, it was running a bit late. And so I then wanted to speak to my friend Fat and then, then I kept missing him and then I couldn't get through his phone and then I tried some friends of mine in Spain and then that didn't work and it was all going a bit pear-shaped. But anyway, we managed to get everything in and uh, all I can say is thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. I'll tell you, it's been a week and a half this week. But uh, we will at 5.30 be playing a couple of clips from In Conversation for this weekend, OK? And uh, it's, it's a really good one this weekend. We're going to talk about The Jungle Book with the director, and we're going to talk about uh, Plebs with Miriam Margulies, who I've not seen for about 30 years. 30 years. She's coming up 75. Coming up 75 now. So that was a nice reunion. And uh, next week we've got... Um, who have we got next week? Oh, Julian Fellows will, will run next week, I think. Uh, and we've got loads more big names in. He did Downton Abbey, of course. He did Gosford Park. And he's now done Belgravia, which is available on a, a subscription. You can pay as you go for it. It's a new app. So he sort of moved himself along a bit. And it was lovely meeting him. Really lovely meeting him. I've been a big fan for ages of his uh, work. Because I like that kind of thing. I like these period dramas. I liked Upstairs, Downstairs. I thought it was good. Steve, you say you, these uh, celebrities get a life. But how sad that they're giving the impression they don't affect your life. But you're constantly slagging them off. Because I get paid for it. I get paid for it. John in Waltham Cross. I get paid for it. Je- oh, you must learn to... S- oh, God, you're a thicko, aren't you? I didn't realise, actually. You can't spell... I think, are you one of these ones who left school quite early? Are you? Yeah, I, I think so. Oh, you've only just sent one, so I tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll put you out of your misery. <laughs> there you go. Bye bye. No friends at all now. <laughs> Nobody. You only had me a short while ago. Now you haven't even got me to talk to. You're all by yourself in Waltham Cross. I tell you what. Why don't you go to night school? Try and educate yourself and do what that guy did at Santa's that was being talked about earlier on, because that that's quite interesting, isn't it? Really. You know, if, if you can sort of educate yourself, and as you are a bit thick, it's not your fault, I realise. You know, you have to try and move on with life. And the reason you're writing to me is because you know me, but I don't know you. I've got no idea who you are. You're just a sad person who obviously listens to the programme quite a lot, I suspect. Quite a lot. Because you say you're constantly slagging off celebrities. No, no, no. I love the way that you think they're celebrities. I didn't think they were celebrities, but you think they're celebrities. Anyway, a little Miss Lonely, you'll just have to stay there in Waltham Cross and try today and find, you know, some friends. I think it's going to be unlikely. Uh, Steve, unlit cyclists. I had one try and kill himself under the wheels this morning. 12.30, cycling the wrong way up a poorly lit side street off of Old Street. I uh, look to the proper direction of the traffic flow. Then just as I start to pull across the junction, whoosh, there he is. And after I stop, he has the cheek to have a go at me, saying I should have seen him. Can anyone tell me, is it a legal requirement for front and back lights on pedal bikes? And why do the police ignore them? I know, I'd have them taken off the road of me. I'd take their bikes away from them. If I see anybody on the road without a light on, I'm not particularly bothered about the front light, but I want something on the back flashing. They're so cheap. But you're right, Kevin the Milkman, it's a nightmare. And he sees them, you know, you know more, than, more than probably most people, I would think. More than most people. They're, they're really a nightmare. I think they need to get insurance. I think that would be de rigueur, wouldn't it? But it's these ones with no lights on. You shout at them. I shout obscenities. I don't care, actually. I'm just... Uh, I'm just... Uh, I just like doing things like that. Because <laughs> I think, you know, if you're out there and you're going to go under the wheels of my car, it's, it's because I've not seen you. 
It's because I've not seen you. And so you've got to make yourself... We used to have adverts on the telly, didn't we? You know, make yourself visible. Put on a high-vis jacket. I mean, how thick are some of these people who go out there on a bicycle and they're wearing all-black clothing and they've got a balaclava on or something and you think, you know, of course you're going to get knocked down. Make yourself visible. Get a high-vis jacket. Put some lights on the back of the bike. You know, make yourself safe. It's for your benefit. I couldn't care less either way. But, you know, if you lose your life, then I do care about it. I do care about it. And it's very disturbing. Apparently you get £30 fine uh, for each light which is missing. But you're only supposed to have two. At one time you bought bikes with lights on. Do you remember? I used to have um, a dynamo on my bike. And you put it onto the wheel at night. You just click a little switch. And then when you cycle... It makes your headlight go on. You don't seem to see those anymore, do you? And, um... Oh, it broke, did it? Producer got one, and it, and it broke. But it only... It was like a little... It looked like a little box that had sort of vodka in it with a little round wheel at the top. But uh, now he says, I've got ones I charge from my computer. Does it flash? Yeah, it's just... can be solid or flashing. Yeah. I mean, everybody should get them. They're not very expensive. Seriously, if it's going to save your life, it's kind of worth it, isn't it? You know, those ghastly rickshaws, the sooner we get rid of those off the streets, with those thieving, murdering so-and-sos who are riding them, I tell you. you If anybody was thieving from you, it's them. Seriously, wrong way up a one-way street. Oh, ghastly. Absolutely ghastly. And they charge whatever they like. They don't pay any tax. They don't pay any tax at all. And, uh, you know, the mayor, the next mayor who comes in, I want to see them banned. I do. I seriously want to see them banned. LBC News time. I smell... Smell something in the studio. What that is? Anyway, it's four thirty. Share your opinions with me, Andrew Castle, every Saturday and Sunday from seven a.m. Leading Britain's conversation on LBC. There you go, Andrew Castle, and you know as well from tomorrow. And uh, I brought it in fairly quickly. I had to get permission from the boss because we were changing the schedule around, and I thought it makes perfect sense. Perfect sense uh, because I'm here on. Saturday morning with the best of Steve Allen. So what we're going to do is, from tomorrow morning, between 5 and 6am, it's going to be the best of Steve Allen. It's a one-hour programme, and um, Chris has put it all together, and it's all been condensed, and it's all very nice. And then between 6 and 7, it's going to be in conversation, and that will lead quite nicely into Andrew Castle, and then that will lead quite nicely into Ken and David, and so it, it follows all the way through. It's going to be lovely. And then on Sunday morning, I'm live between 5 and 7, so an hour earlier, we still have the repeat of In Conversation at nine o'clock at night, if you miss it first time round, which I'm sure you won't. And uh, don't forget, Katie Hopkins comes in on Sunday morning, and I know you love Katie Hopkins. There'll be a few of you listening, writing in it, oh, I can't stand this woman, she's absolutely terrible, and yet they're still glued to the radio. They can't get enough of it. They can't get enough of it. We, her and me have a good old laugh about it. I'm, a, I'm sorry, at your expense. This is the, the, the internet trolls who write in and go, I think you're vile and you're disgusting and all this kind of thing. And, uh, but yet they still listen. You never quite understand, do you? Why somebody would want to listen to somebody that they don't like? I don't, I don't quite get that. Perhaps that's some sort of mental illness or so. Perhaps they've got a screw loose. You must have. You, you don't like somebody. You write to them like poor Katie Hopkins. Although, as I say, she loves it. She absolutely loves it. It doesn't make any difference to her at all. There's a few presenters I could name who, uh, who, who laugh at these trolls who don't have a life. They've got nothing going on at all. What did I read the other day? Some poor presenter who, who did a prank phone call to another... And I thought, prank phone call? How 80s is that? Nothing interesting going on there at all. I thought that's a sign of some sort of illness, isn't it, really? A prank phone call. God, blimey, honestly, do me a favour. And uh, and Gary says, have you seen The Jungle Book? Uh, 
Is it good? Is it good? The new one. I've seen the old one. I'm the king of the swingers, jungle VIP. I reach the top and that's, that's what bothers me. Oh, whoopee you I want to be like you. Uh, there's nothing like that in this uh, in this latest one, but it's blooming clever. I mean, seriously, I, I raved over it, as you know, the other day. Uh, Tom says, I'm sorry you've got a chesty cough. It's, I'm, I'm, I feel fine. That's a stupid thing. I get angry if I get colds and coughs and things like that. And I think that what I've got is I've run myself down this week. I've, I've had to go to the doctor. We've had to change the uh, medication. I'm now injecting, you know, before I do the programme, which is, which is great fun. And also I'm testing my blood as often as I can. So I've only done, only done it once this morning. Small prick. And, uh, and then you get the little sort of blood thing. And you put it in and it's just... Oh, it, it wasn't particularly brilliant this morning. It was a 12.5. I'm looking for seven. You know, 12.5. And that's even before I'd done anything. I hadn't, I hadn't eaten anything. I'd done nothing at all. So now I had to do another injection, and then we'll wait and see what happens later on. Anyway, aside from that, we take all your texts and emails this morning on the programme, and we make you feel as though you're, you're part of it. If you're lying in bed and you're one of these people who can't sleep, well, this is the perfect antidote. We don't want you to sleep on this programme. I don't want you to write in and go, Ooh, Steve Allen, perfect cure for insomnia. I stay awake even longer. I like the, uh, the judge who told the mother, you can't call your kid cyanide, but they've just passed a bloke at the DVLA who's called himself Buzz Lightyear. I mean, are these just people who are stupid? I mean, is this... Oh, yesterday. Oh, yesterday. Yesterday. When I, when I got back... Was it I got back in? Or was it this one? No, it's when I got back in later, and there was the Jeremy Kyle show on, or as I call it, Shouty Man. Shouty Man shouting at people. And then on comes Graham as well, you know, trying to help people out and be very useful. And uh, it was some bloke who's girlfriend failed the lie detector test it's a huge it's the same same every every time and jeremy kyle rounds on her and goes you cheated you lied and it and he was quite venomous really quite nasty if i'd been her i'd have clumped him over the head with a shovel he was so vile look at me look at me you lied you slept with other people i'm thinking your wife did exactly the same your wife slept with other people, Jeremy. I wonder why that was. That'd be a funny programme, wouldn't it? Let's have a laugh at poor old Jeremy Kyle, Mr Shouty Shouty Man, whose wife disappeared off with the polo player because he was fitter, better looking and better action, mates. That's why. What have you done now? What's the matter? You've... You've paper cut. Oh, paper cuts. Don't like paper cuts. Second day. That's not... Paper cuts are horrid. They're really quite... Oh, I don't like paper cuts. Imagine, I don't like the blood thing anyway. Look at my hands, actually. I've got really gorgeous hands. I've forgotten, actually, how attractive I am. Although, when you hear the Miriam Margulies interview, at one point she says to me, she said, we're, 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 we're both very similar, she says. And so I look at it, because having known her for a long while, but we haven't seen each other, I promise you, for about 30 years. And I said, we're both similar. I said, what's, what's that about? And so she said, well, she said, neither of us are very attractive. And I looked at I said, what? I said, I can't believe you've said that. What do you mean, neither of us are very attractive? <laughs> it was the oddest thing I've ever heard her say, but she does speak her mind. Uh, she does tell us a story that because of her stance on Israel and things like that, uh, you know, people, people get very angry. It's a very sensitive subject, so people get very angry. She says Maureen Lippmann doesn't talk to her anymore because, you know, people get very sensitive about things. I've always said anything to do with religion... Oh, steer well clear of, Stephen. It's just not worth it. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, what faith... I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less whether you're Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, worship a donkey, the stars in the sky. I'm not remotely interested. I really couldn't care less. Any, anybody can do whatever they want, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. And we did have a, a long discussion about, you know, the way things have changed now, where people behead people, where ISIS push people off a building for being gay. 
you know, these people are sick paedophiles. We know that. We know they are because it's well documented. They sleep with underage girls. You know, these girls who disappear from this country have got no idea because they're too stupid. They think, oh, we're going away to do something. Then, oh, they're just dim, dimwits. Let them stay over there, you know. You want to fall prey to that kind of regime? You're welcome to it. But I never get involved with religion. You know, everybody's got a belief. I've got a belief. You've probably got a belief. I couldn't care less what it is. And my, my belief sometimes might not go along with what everybody else's belief is. But everybody's different. Nobody is the same, are they? You know, nobody fancies the same people. Because if we all thought the same and fancied the same people, it'd be a very boring world. Very boring. And so she said to me, she said, but you're lucky. I said, why is that? She said, you've got a personality. I thought, oh, it's great. Ugly, but with a personality. How cool is that? The answer is yes. And then we we talked about all sorts of things. A really nice chat. She's in uh, Plebs. Of course, you know her from... uh, She was in Wicked. She was in Harry Potter. She's, I mean, she's been in quite a lot of things. She's coming up 75 now, and she shows no sign of slowing down. She name-drops beautifully. She name-drops beautifully. <laughs> Even up until the end of the interview, she name-drops. So we'll have a little clip uh, from her a little bit later on this morning, and she'll be with us tomorrow morning, Saturday morning, in conversation, the new time for it, between 6 and 7. So just before Andrew Castle, I expect a good turnout. I will be doing roll call, and if you're not there then uh, that's it. I shall, I shall fall out with you big time, so just make sure you're there. Uh, 84850-stevedlbc.co.uk uh, Karen goes, Not everybody who cannot spell is thick. Some have dyslexia. Oh, shut up, you silly old baggage. <laughs> I love it when people jump on this bam. Mind your own business, it's got nothing to do with you. We weren't talking to you. Ever again, I shouldn't think. Not everybody is this. You don't know what was written, do you? Just because somebody can't spell, honestly. Mind your own business, honestly. I love it when people on a Friday start interfering and think that people care about them. My husband still participates in quizzes. I don't care. Why would I want to care? I love the way people think that you're interested. Certainly not. Uh, Anyway, the weather for today. What does Charles tell us today? Uh, Charles is very tall, you know. He's, He's six foot two and a bit, he said. Six, I want to know about the bit. I always love it when they say, I mean, does that mean six foot two and a half? Six foot two and three quarters? What is it? Is it six foot three? You know, I need to know these kind of things. So today, it's uh, cloudy and cooler. That's all right. So clay, okay, okay. okay. Uh, rain or showers becoming more widespread throughout the morning. Oh, here we go. Heavy showers for Friday. They did say this weekend, and I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad tidings, that uh, car washes everywhere will be going, oh, God, Steve, no, don't, don't tell us that, please. Yep, it's going to be raining over the weekend. Um... Saturday, rain in places, uh, returning in the afternoon, then it'll become dry, and Sunday through Tuesday, dry with sunny spells on Sunday, wind easing, a little bit less cold on Monday and Tuesday, rather more cloud is likely to develop at times. Chilly mornings, you see, because yesterday, well, I, I've got a coat, which has got a nice fur collar, that doesn't, it's not real fur, it's, it's imitation something and um and i put it on and somebody said to me aren't you hot in that coat i said well when i walked out this morning at two o'clock it was cold you can't just put a thin little jacket on in this weather you've got to put a thick coat on first thing in the morning to wrap it around you and if i'm uh, if i'm in the car i like to sort of you know wrap the coat around me and i sort of drift away into my own little world which i love absolutely love but it was uh, it was really it was really warm yesterday afternoon, so for the first time in ages, I walked out without a jacket or a coat on to go for lunch, without realising that you need a coat. And the reason you need a coat is because I had to take my wallet, I have to take my phone, I have to take my keys, I have to take my handkerchief, 
I have. What else do I have to take? Oh, I have to take the uh, the car keys in case I need to put something back in the car, and and then I have to take my reading glasses. And so that's why we've got coats with lots of pockets in because you. Need, it's all right for you girls. You've got handbags. You can just shove it all in the handbag, and that looks normal. Us boys can't do that. Well, I mean, some boys can, but you know, it just—it's really difficult. And so I had to go and get a carrier bag from Paul Cooper's place to put things in, so I could walk around with a cat. And I said, "It's ridiculous, ridiculous." Actually, uh, Chris, who's going to be doing the travel for us this morning, I noticed one of his tweets earlier on, and it, it was very interesting because he was—he um, was talking about as he was getting dressed this morning. He suddenly. Um, suddenly feels all the food that he's eaten over the past few days he feels a bit guilty about. I get exactly the same. Uh, Mark and uh, Gay DJ, same time of day over there, 4.25am. So you've now got 17 to 5, have you? Just coming up 17 to 5. Interesting. And uh, Andrew Morley, I know, but it's so dated. So dated, Andrew, as indeed you know it is. But uh, he's slightly peculiar. I think he was dropped on his head as a child. And it certainly carried uh, carried through. Uh, Gary Hales says, I miss doing your show. Oh, remember Gary? Gary was on our show all the time. He's a jobbing actor looking for a job, but in fact, he's a black cab driver because it's in the family. So uh, Gary and I go back a long way. We really do go back a long way, actually. And uh, he was, I mean, he was born 60... Do you realise that when he was born, I'd already been broadcasting here for a number of years? (laughs) Oh, no, I haven't. Wait a minute. No, he's born... Oh, no, thank God for that. Oh, God, quite panic-stricken. Quite panic-stricken. Yeah, I came a little bit later. Uh, but I was born before him, about uh, about ten years before him. He says, I do miss doing it. I hear it's as excellent as ever, though. I, I, I don't think we would disagree. I don't think we disagree. And Norman Duval, morning, Norman. All well, I hope. Looking well, looking well. And uh, he said, he, on his thing, it's singer, actor, musicals, all-time musical, my favourite. And so this coming Saturday, tomorrow... We're going to be doing the in conversation, so it's it's well worth it. I promise you, well worth it. It's a really really good one, really really good one tomorrow, and we'll play you some clips a little bit a uh, little bit later on. Okay, all of that and more. Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. Jay Sankey gave me a mention, said you should follow this man. That's me. He's a very good magician, and you know me and magicians, we like magicians an awful lot. I love it. I'm waiting for some stuff to arrive from America. I got a bit carried away on the internet about a week ago, no, a week and a half ago, and I started ordering stuff in America because I love PayPal. I don't know why. Oh, you were born 1990, were you? <laughs> Do I look like I care? 1990. How depressing is that? How old is that? I can't work out these ages now. But 25. Oh, quite close to me. 25, honestly. It's amazing. I don't think I've ever had a producer in all my years who has been my age. (laughs) I mean, most of them weren't even born when I started, which is very odd, isn't it, when you think about it? And you think, do they look at me sort of kindly and think, poor old soul, not long for this world? Or do they just go, I'll just let him get on with it. He rambles away in his own little way. Perhaps he was always like this. But strange enough, I wasn't always like this. Well, I don't think I was. Although different producers... My first, first producer... At, uh, at LBC was, I think that would have been Ian, either Ian or Mike Carson. Uh, Ian used to fly planes, and uh, and I did overnights. During the daytime, I was I was news reading for LBC, but when I did the overnight programme, it was Mike Carson. I'd come in and they'd do a list of all the stories that they'd run during the daytime, because it was all on tape. So the breakfast show, which we had with, with Bob and Doug, the AM programme, uh, they would have their reporters, Rodney Bennett and people like that, who would go out and do a, do a package, voice it up, 
uh, with the interview on it and then present it as the finished thing. And so I would then sit down and decide what I wanted to run. And Mike would, they'd be, what we were doing, we were slot filling. That's what it's called in the business. We were working every 15 minutes. So each 15 minutes, we're looking to put in two or sometimes three little features. So during the course of the programme, we were recycling what had happened during the daytime, which was, which was what the management wanted. But I was bored witless. Seriously, I was so bored. I mean, it was just... All I was doing was just... It was nothing creative. I didn't, I didn't really know about being creative. I don't think I know too much about being creative now. But anyway, and so we used to sort of do all these things. We put all these things in. And then I thought, why don't I just sort of start chatting about nothing in particular? And so I started making up letters. I started making up letters from listeners. And it's a, it's a very interesting concept because all I was trying to do was generate interest. We didn't have a phone-in. We only had two phone-ins on LBC. One was uh, Brian Hayes and then there was the evening phone-in with Adrian Love, which went for, I think when it first started, it went for something like six hours. It went forever and a day. And so we didn't, we didn't have that facility. The phones were there, but we didn't, we didn't open up the phone lines or anything at all until much later on. And so uh, I just started making up letters from people, which, interestingly, because we didn't have computers, yes, it was that long ago, uh, generated letters. So all of a sudden, people wrote in telling me about, you know, what they were doing when they were listening to the programme and if they were out and about, because that's how people communicated. We didn't, we didn't have mobile phones. There was nothing like that at all. I mean, it was, it was basically two tobacco tins and a piece of string and me going, can you hear me, mother? And that was about the extent of it. And then it gradually sort of changed until it became quite cult listening overnight on LBC, and that's when the management didn't like it. They didn't like it, and so I, I got uh, hauled in, and they said, uh, you, you, you've got to stop this uh, this sort of chat. So we seemed a bit, bit daft, actually, for a, for a speech station. And so I said, OK, he said, he said, we want you to go back to the way it was. So having done about six to eight months of what, it, of what we thought was sounding a lot better, they wanted to change it back. So I went back on air that morning, and I started the prayer, and I played it, straight down the line, straight by the board. I said, good morning, this is Night Extra, I'm Steve Allen. Earlier on today, and I went straight, there was no personality, I just read the things. They got deluged with complaints. And so they called me back in the following week. He said, uh, we've had to think about it. He said, um, uh, you, you can go back to what you were doing. It was basically them sort of eating humble pie and trying to say, listen, it was working very, very well. And uh, we're sorry, we've screwed up your programme. So, so that was very good. And, uh, and the whole programme changed. And then we started doing the newspapers. And I suddenly discovered that uh, I had an ability to fill a programme reading the papers. And so that's what we did. And so all we've done is we've just sort of adapted it over the years. And I think you will find that um, I don't think there's another programme like this one on LBC. <laughs> Probably for very good reasons. Oh, I missed the out time again. Hopeless, isn't it? I don't know why we bother with out times. It drives me mad, this does. But I'll, I'll try and get near to it. So if, if I tell you in Grand Canaria in Maspalomas that it's uh, 11 minutes to five, you have to try and pretend it's quarter two, OK? Because I'm that late for it. Steve Allen on LBC. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Oh, do. Go on, do. Mark, actually, over in uh, Maspalomas, says you reminded me of when he did two years of overnights uh, on LBC, on FM, when we were in Hammersmith. And uh, that was an interesting building. I like, because we've been in so many different buildings. I like this one, actually. I like this one. I think I'll buy this one. This is quite nice. And it's all, I say the same thing I told you the other week to every guest who comes in. And I say, have you been here before? Julian Fellow thought he had been here before, which, in fact, I'm sure he must have been. He'd been interviewed, I think, by some of our other stations. And... Um, 
And it is a big building. I mean, I know that because we've now got these uh, new presenters' passes which get you through doors and everything else and let, let them know where, where you are at any one time. And there's 130 presenters in this building. I didn't realise that there were that many presenters in the entire world. There's 130 in this building alone. And, uh, and then the rest of it makes up, uh, up about, I think, uh, 750 people no, work. No, there's more than 1,000 here. More than 1,000. I checked the other day. There's more than 1,000 people in this building. There's, I mean, there's nearly 300 on the sales floor alone. Have you been up there? Yeah. You open the door onto the sale. When, when, we, when we came here, we had to be given a map of where we were going. I got, I got quite... I thought, I'm never going to find my way. And there's still bits of this building you go into, you think... It's like being in Narnia. Where are we now? And it's all flashing. And you opened up the, the floor, which is the sales, which is the fifth floor here. And it's just, it's, it's like our floor and the floor next door, which is, which is Capital's floor. And, and it's all full of salespeople on desks with all big signs above it, you know, saying Northwest region or South region. It's huge. It's huge. And then there's different suites. Not, not sweeties, but sweets for, you know, for recordings and doing stuff like that. Little booths, every, you know what I'm saying, like it. At LBC, all we used to have was about three booths downstairs in the studios. And we had two studios, which we flip-flopped in, in the early days. But we've been in loads of places. Started in Fleet Street, Fleet Street to Hammersmith, Hammersmith to, uh, uh, where did we go? Hammersmith to, uh, to the Grays Inn Road, Grays Inn Road uh, to Shepherd's Bush, Shepherd's Bush to here. Seriously, every time I, I move to another place, I fill up the cupboard. And somebody said to me the other day, and I'm a hoarder, as you know, and people send me nice things. And so I've got a cupboard full of lovely things. And they said, I think we're going to do away with the cupboards. Of course, I went into a complete downward spiral. Where am I going to put my stuff? You know, this is my, my life. 30 years in these cupboards. Anyway, I drive in London at night, says John the cabbie from South London. And he said, uh, from January the 1st, I've got 117 reckless and dangerous cyclists on my dash cam. Not the red light jumpers and the pavement cyclists, but the real morons putting themselves at risk who have no regard for the law or the rules of the road. Yeah, I can well imagine. As you, as you say, 117 reckless ones, John. But then the pavement cyclists, the ones who ignore the red lights. You know, it's, it's amazing, actually. It's such an amazing thing. It really is. Uh, apparently, Camden Council are going to find pedicabs or rickshaw drivers £100 if they ride into the borough. What's a good idea? I like the idea of that. <laughs> Very interesting. I like stuff like that. I'm all in favour of that. All in favour of that. I think that's, a, that's an absolutely brilliant idea. I wish they'd do it in central London. I wish they'd do it in central London. Uh, Steve, I bought a fabulous handbag from Primark. 15 quid, black leather, lots of pockets, room for my bits. And uh, I have to find someone to put a leather strap on it. Go to any of these shoe places. They, they can do stuff like that. You know, I think it's good, actually. Mark says it's nobody else's business as to what your daily attire is. We've been getting a load of Four Seasons in one day, and if it's too uncomfortable to wear an overcoat, carry a man bag. I oh, can't. I did have one years ago, because when I used to work in Vienna... I don't think I ever bumped into a man, in inverted commas, a man over there who didn't have a clutch bag. You go to Italy, all the men have, have man bags. Seriously. You, you, you know, young people, older people, everybody's got them. Because, you know, in, in Vienna, a lot of people keep their wallets in there, their cigarettes, their lighter, their change, you know, after, whatever it happens to be. It's like a lady's handbag, but they're made for men. And, uh, and, and if you haven't got one, you just end up, you know, putting stuff in all, in all your pockets. <coughs> which I always think is sort of, uh, it makes your pockets look a bit awful. 
You know, it it really does make them look a, a little bit uh, awful. But it doesn't matter, really. It doesn't really matter. And uh, some of her views, Steve, are vile, Katie Hopkins. And uh, when she's on air, this is the only time I turn LBC off. She's a fake. No, she's not. She's. I promise you. I swear to God. I swear on my mother's life. She's certainly not a fake. She doesn't say anything for an effect. Oh, God, no. I, I, I wish it was that easy. I wish it was that easy. No, she she believes everything she says. It's it's absolutely not fake. I swear on my mother's life. And I don't do that very often. In fact, I uh, I don't do it ever at all, actually. It's the first time I've ever done it. Oh, no, believe you me, I've known her for a little while now. She's What what, what you hear is, is what you get. She doesn't just turn it on for the radio. She's not that sort of person. Pauline Wickford says, My Mercedes 500 SI is the same age as your producer. They probably have the same sort of mileage on the clock. Really? I don't know. He has a bicycle. He does have a car as well. He has a car as well. And uh, what do you think about the um, the celebs being named in Sunday's papers? They think that they will be named. They've been named in one paper. Not any of the papers I've got today. And I can't remember where it's gone to, actually. But it was... Uh, they reckon by Sunday, they reckon that they will be naming the, the celebrity. I don't know how they can keep this going. I don't... Uh, we, we told you yesterday, we've sort of been leaking little bits out for you, and the little leak we got yesterday was the fact that it involves olive oil. Which seemed, I mean, to be honest with you, I've said before, and I'll say it again now, I couldn't give it a stuff what these people get up to. I'm really not remotely interested. I'm sure I've interviewed people before who've covered themselves in chocolate and whipped cream and crushed nuts, but I don't care. It doesn't make any difference to me. Why would it make any difference to anybody else? I don't, I don't see, you know, why it would make any difference at all. I don't think the, uh, the I don't know anything about the children, but but that's the reason they've done it to to protect the children. But how old are the children? Who knows? Who knows? Well, I mean, I do know, but uh, I can't tell you anything like that. But it's just it's so so they get up to things in their life that not everybody gets up to. You know, every time I look at a bottle of olive oil, I'm not going to be thinking, oh, I could bathe in that any time soon. I don't think about that. So that's why I don't I don't care. I really don't care. Uh, the best and only way to see the Jungle Book is with children. Uh, this one's a bit scarier than that. A little bit scarier. A little bit scarier. Uh, another one here. Also talking about cyclists in London. This is because of the pe- uh, feature in one of the papers today. Kelvin McKenzie is saying that uh, he's not a big fan of, uh, of the cyclists in London. And uh, it seems that uh, not many other people are as well. And uh, another one here. Kevin says, I bet you dread going onto the sales floor, Steve. All those white socks... And you sit in a studio or one of those TV star desks with the cameras on you like Nick and James do? No, I mean, I can use that studio. That, that one that you see with, uh, with Nick and James and Ian Dale and everybody else. Uh, and I have sat in there. But it's, for my sort of programme, it's different if they've got guests in, which they all have. But for my sort of programme, there's only me. So I use a studio upstairs, which is less far to walk. I don't want to make a big deal about the walking thing, but, you know, it's quite, I mean, I could just walk with stairs everywhere and lifts and all sorts of things. But, uh, no, I'm in a, a fairly small studio, and I do my interviews for In Conversation here, because I think the sound quality in this studio is better. But they're currently doing up one of the other main radio station studios, and when it's finished, well, then we'll be able to use their, their off-air studio, which is all camera-equipped. This is camera-equipped here, but uh, I don't think I look particularly good on this one. Well, I'm not attractive anyway, as Miriam Margulies tells me, so it doesn't really make too much difference. But uh, but this is the uh, studio that they used for, for the Call Clegg 
videos. This is the studio here, because I used to be outside. It's all very exciting. I'd just like to tell you that this morning, because it's Friday. And frankly, we're so grateful to have got through to Friday this week. And then somebody says, did you used to work on Blue Danube Radio? I did. Yes, I did. For my sins, with Telia Herald and uh, Uli Purzel and uh, Paul Brennan, who's still out in Vienna with his other half. And, uh, oh yes, yes, about nine years I worked out there. I took my holiday from LBC and went to work out there. I was obsessed with money, I don't know why. It's kind of carried me through my life. Somebody said, what would you rather be, famous and broke, or not famous and money? I said, absolutely, not famous and money wins hands down every time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Robbie Williams back in the studio. And uh, Stephen Fry says sorry for those comments that he made. I thought he'd have to apologise. It's LBC, good morning. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday. You allow yourself that time to go whoopee. It's Friday. Thank goodness we made it through the week. If you've had a tough week, the weather's been all over the place, hasn't it? It's been a bit miserable. But uh, nice to be with you. And don't forget, we're here tomorrow morning with the best of Steve Allen between 5 and 6 and between 6 and 7 o'clock you get the in conversation and that's where we're going to put it uh, because we moved it from the Sunday it's still Sunday evening at nine o'clock so you will not miss out we'll have a couple of clips from the special guests for this week's programme Mario Falcone who was in TOWIE says I was too clever for TOWIE they wanted to dumb me down didn't take much did it we thought you were pretty dumb when you started misbehaving with your telephone and started putting out some uh, highly undesirable pictures Robbie Williams going back in the studio I was hoping it was just a closed room but uh Apparently he's going to be singing, which is not the uh, the best idea. The chairman of the British Fertility Society says we should give three-year-olds sex education. Don't you kind of think that three years old is kind of a little bit young for sex education? I don't know, actually, because to be honest with you, I'm still learning. I've got no idea. We didn't get sex education at school. It was all, as I explained the other day, it's all about plant life. And I think they were probably too embarrassed. And most kids sit there sniggering about the whole thing. It's very difficult to do sex education. But I saw the most ghastly programme on the television the other day. Have you seen it? Where they have, uh, I'm a sex therapist, and they have a, a booth where a couple go into and bonk in a booth. And then Steve What's-His-Face, who apparently went out with Pamela Anderson, yeah, like she remembered, uh, Steve Jones, and this woman are doing this this sex show thing on the television, where this couple go and... And then they come and sit down in their dressing gowns. And they... Sh- no, I don't think it's Mariella Frostrup, no. It's a, it's Steve, Steve Jones and this, this sex show. I sat there thinking, what, what a pile of rubbish is this? And then it puts up different sex positions... On the screen, I didn't know there were different sex positions. Nobody told me. I thought it was just normal. And then they were saying, this is it. Viewers left cringing. Steve Jones was playing with sex toys. And I mean, we know he can't get a gig for love nor money. And they put people in there. I mean, it's called Sex Box. It is just the biggest pile of rubbish I've ever seen on the television. I mean, that one of them was a student fay having sex with a woman for the first time and two mates who decided to take their friendship up a notch. It's just rubbish. It's just, I can't describe it in any other word apart from... Oh, she did the first series, did she? God, Ruth. It's got a second series. Well, perhaps it's cheap. Just bring in a, an audience of perverts and bring in two people who go into a box and do it in different positions. And then, the, well, I mean, I can't even begin to describe some of the questions they were coming up with. I mean, it was just awful. I mean, it was just 
Dreadful. I mean, uh, Steve introduced this sex toy for men with foot fetishes. I mean, it's just ghastly. You know, if ever you want a really crap programme, this uh, this one on Channel 4 would be the one, ladies and gentlemen. It's just awful. And then we had somebody... Oh, well, I can't even... I can't even repeat it. It's, I mean, it's this this, this programme, I mean, doesn't doesn't carry a, a health warning. But they, these poor people on Sexbox had applied for the Cube. Some of, I think that was a bit tongue-in-cheek. They thought they were going on the Cube, and somebody said, hey, would you like to take your clothes off now? <laughs> really? What for? Uh, because we're going to watch you making love. What? You know, I mean, the cube, cube has changed, said somebody. Where's Philip Schofield? Old Pip Schofield, still doing the, the tacky old act with old Holly Willabooby. You know, one minute she's Holly Willabooby getting emotional about, you know, uh, somebody's sort of love life or something like that. The next minute she's being disgusting on, uh, on uh, that uh, Celebrity Juice programme. Apparently Welsh host Steve is a big fan of what goes on behind the box, recently telling Alan Carr it was awesome. They just met, went into the box and had sex. It's a brave new world we live in. Well, I thought that was your life, actually, Steve. You go into a club, stand there waving your car keys. Hello, babes. Come home with me. Steve Jones, Channel 4. You must have seen me do the sex programme. And that's just about it. He says, we live in the world full of dating apps like Tinder and Grinder, So we've incorporated that into the show. I felt I was on another planet. Seriously, I must be getting really old-fashioned now. I don't want to see things like that on the television. Especially when it's all a bit, you know, because you don't actually see anything. It's it's sort of it's sort of innuendo kind of thing. You know, either you're gonna show us sex or you're not gonna show us sex. In which case, you know, if you're gonna show us sex, then it's just dumb it down completely. Just the most sought after thing. Ex reality star Mario Falcone claims he was forced to dumb down for Towie. Poor little Mario, honestly, a man whose ego is only matched with his lack of talent. Uh, he was part of the original lot where they had Arge and uh, a few bimbos, in fact, quite a few bimbos. And then that's sort of the only gay in the village uh, who was just really an embarrassment, who's still there because he can't get arrested for anything else at all. And uh, Joey Essex has departed, thank God. Arge should have departed years and years ago. Mario said he was used to uh, using more sophisticated language after working as a bespocky tailor, explaining the slang like, all right, me geezer wouldn't fly with wealthy clients. You're from Essex, dear. Don't try and make out you're something you're not. Okay. So, oh, so what you're admitting, uh, he says, when I was on this morning for a segment, Holly Willoughby said, Mario, I mean this in the nicest possible way. You're really intelligent. <laughs> really? It's funny, the rest of us thought you were a complete klutz, <laughs> you know, when you did that uh, that little thing. He says, thanks for the backhanded compliment. I am normal. Really? I don't know many people who sort of disport themselves on their phone and on the computer and then sort of send it round to people. I, I, seriously, I don't know that. If that makes you intelligent, I'm glad that I'm not intelligent. So that's good. Uh, seriously, people. Oh, poor old Chloe Desperado Maidley. This is the one who's about that, that tiny. And that's the size of her ego. It's a little bit embarrassing. And uh, she posted a picture of her, sort of her boobs. Bit of an embarrassment, really. But there you go, poor soul, honestly. I'm sure you'll make something of yourself one of these days. Nobody cares about you, dear. Nobody cares about you. Uh, what's that a picture of? That looks like quite nice. And uh, she wasn't impressed with the negative comments. Shut up, dear. Who cares? Nobody's interested in you. Go away. Go away. Climb back in your box. Climb back in the ground, you know, and stay there. Uh, I love the history of how your show, Steve, has become the one it is today. Have you ever done a phone-in show? Yes, yes, I've done phone-ins. I don't like doing phone-ins. I've explained that to numerous people. Because people, you know, sometimes you get an internet troll, or as I, I tend to call them, the simpletons. And uh, they go, why don't you take phone-ins? You go, listen, you want to see the size of my audience? I get the size of my audience because I don't do phone-ins. I think there's more than enough opportunity on LBC for you to have your say. I don't want to talk to people. 
Seriously, I don't like people. It's as simple as that. I don't want to talk to people. You get people who do phone in, and then you get people like me who can actually hold... I mean, I did know a person on LBC who could not hold a programme together unless they had phone calls. I can hold a programme together quite nicely, thank you, without phone calls. The phone calls would just be a hindrance. It would just be a complete and utter hindrance. People write to me, people send me emails and texts, and that's the way it goes. It it works beautifully. And... um, a lot of people talking about the uh, the olive oil. It's really bizarre, isn't it? Honestly, it makes your own life seem seem quite uh, quite dull. Uh, Donald says, uh, "Good luck and good health." He says, "I'm loving what somebody has described as your caustic tongue every morning." You see, the funny thing is, somebody uh, somebody said to me, one of the boys who works in the office, and he said that his um, was it his kebab shop or something. It might have been his kebab shop or, or pizza shop. He said they love listening to this program. I said, "But Steve Allen's such a bitch." And I said, what, what, what is bitchy about telling the truth? I'm sorry if, if people think that's bitchy. I think you've got the wrong end of the stick. Bitchy would be uh, sort of some sort of jealousy. I'm not je- Why would I be jealous of any of these people? They, they feature in the programme because they feature in the papers. What features more in the papers than anything else? So-called celebrity gossip. That's the biggest seller. Look on, you know, on the front of all the papers, every single one of them. There'll be something to do with celebrities. It is the biggest buzzword of the decade. More stories about celebrities, more stories about people who go on reality shows and sadly believe the publicity that surrounds them. They sadly believe that they design clothes. They sadly believe that the public give us stuff about them. If you never saw Towie on the screen ever again, what do you think? They're going to go into meltdown or something? No, you just write them off as a bunch of old has-beens. A bunch of old ageing bimbos, and that's the blokes, you know, and then we just get rid of them, and they disappear without trace. And that's the good thing. Chelsea, all it is, is exactly the same. It's posh totty, but still climbing into bed with people. That's all they do. They just sleep around. Most of them seem to be sleeping with Spencer Matthews. Why you'd want to sleep with him, I can't imagine. We've seen him disporting itself. I sent a sympathy card. I'm so sorry. I had more when I was 14. Uh, other ones coming. Norman Duvall, back again. He says, thank you for the surprise greeting. I am well. Still singing and breathing and listening. <laughs> the breathing bit's good. The breathing bit is very good. I, I like the breathing... The, sorry, the breathing. I like the breathing bit very much so. And uh, another one here. Junior says... Is, is you do get a few loose-screwed nutters. Yes, I, I think it's the detritus from Christo's programme. I think that's what happens. I think, you know, if they can't get through to Samaritans, they call him. And if they can't get through to, uh, to him, then uh, I get them at the end. But luckily, see, I just delete them. I'm a bit cruel like that. I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not benevolent like other people. <laughs> I just have to get rid of stupid people. Uh, look away, Vicky. Oh, dear. Former made in Chelsea Lothario and well-known steroids, wasn't it, Spencer Matthews? Back to his womanising ways. He's enjoying a lunch date with a mystery blonde. He doesn't actually seem to uh, work, does he, really? He's a bit of a waste of space and he's going out with another one of these bimbo-y types who obviously is a bit of a desperate for fame and so goes out with this this past-his-sell-by bloke. He laughed and joked with the glamorous girl who also uh, was also spotted on a date with somebody else. And so there's Spencer out with the photographer because otherwise, you know, you wouldn't know about it unless they took their own photographer out. And here he is, this sort of well past his sell by date. And he's out with this girl who's clinging onto his arm like, you know, he's difficult to get hold of. No, no, no. He'll sleep with anybody, dear. Don't worry. Seriously, it's, it's really not that not that much of an issue. And it's very sweet that he's sort of managed to get over his little steroid thing. I hope he's I hope he's sort of clean. I would like to think he's clean, wouldn't you? The girl's a bit horsey, isn't she? Look, you go back a picture, and just having a looking at her sitting here. Ho, 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 ho. She looks a bit Princess Anne type, doesn't she, really? But, uh, and the glasses, really ghastly. But uh, that's the type he goes for. 
stupid yet savable, I think. And he's, uh, he appeared on Loose Women, sort of trying to do his little boy lost look. And uh, he's just a bit of a waste of space. But that's the sort of people we like. We like people like that. We've got to have somebody to laugh at. Goodness sake, if we couldn't laugh at Kerry Katona and Spencer Matthews, who would we have? Who would we have, I ask you, ladies and gentlemen? But uh, she sat there for the whole time with glasses, but it was only when they were walking that she, she put her hand through his, whereas, in fact, he's more interested in talking on his mobile phone because that's where he treats them. Treats them mean, keeps them keen, ladies and gentlemen. I, too, you know, could go down as the person who didn't sleep with Spencer Matthews and live to tell the tale. Uh, any update on the Croydon cat killer? No, Liz, no. They, I mean, I can't believe it's taken them this amount of time. I really can't. It's, uh, you know, I mean, whether or not the police have got leads on this, I mean, I, I really don't know. I would like to think, yes, I would like to think that they had and they're going to catch this person. But uh, we'll have to wait. So I don't know how people could do that. Do you? Do you ever understand? I don't understand it at all. I really don't. Uh, another one here. Ben says, I don't know uh, how these shows like this sex box exist. People must be very easily pleased. Where's good television gone? Well, they're looking for cheap telly. They're looking for cheap television. And they found it. They found it with this programme. But as I say, I lasted all of about five minutes. That was about it. I turned it off because, A, it was such rubbish. And, B, it was so badly put together. I'm not remotely interested. Who cares? Who is it supposed to be appealing to? Looking at the audience, I'm, I'm assuming it's appealing to people who either aren't, aren't getting it and, and want to watch other people getting it, or they're just slightly perverted. Because I didn't see any... I'm not remotely interested in a, in a foot fetishist or anything like that. I don't, I don't understand it. Let alone worry about it. You know, people sort of get into all sorts of things now. They get somebody saying, oh, I'm into rubber. Or I'm into leather, do you think? I'm just into kind of like clothes, you know, just put clothes on. I don't come in here, you know, none of this is sort of fetish... None of the bask is a bit out, I suppose, this morning. But I mean, you know, I don't like to think of this as being a fetish kind of programme. I wouldn't want people to listen to it thinking, you know, we, we, we've turned into some sort of mad sex show on LBC. We do have a sex show on LBC, which we discussed yesterday morning, and they do talk about a lot of things which might might either open your eyes or make you put your fingers in your ears and do la-las, because uh, they talk about things the other day. I said to my boss yesterday, he's been in a very good mood the last week. Seriously, it can't last. It can't last. <laughs> Something's got to burst his bubble any time soon. And uh, I said, I was talking about it the other day. Or oh, were you, Steve? What time? He always says the same thing. What time was that? <laughs> I think he goes on to his little player and he can, he can hear it. So I've got to be very careful. If I say anything now, that there'll be people in this building who snitch on me. And they say, oh, Steve was talking about his boss or Steve was talking about his big boss the other day. But I just like to be honest. I just like to be honest. Uh, 84850, Jan in Barnsley. Barnsley, good Lord. Uh, and says, as we are reminiscing, I listened to the Maplin fiasco episode yesterday. Yes, uh, that was, uh, that's on YouTube. That's donkey's years old. It's so, oh, sorry, I missed the outtime again. It's, I mean, that was so many years ago. So many years ago. But, uh, but good fun, actually. Good fun. Uh, right, time check. Well, sort of quarter past five. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, a brief Friday. It's very nice indeed. At the risk of this turning into a Steve Allen lovin', says Nigel. I've been listening to you since your days on that other station, along with the great, great Mike Dickin. And compared to the average wittering, weary so-and-sos on most radio stations these days, you're a genius. He said, can you just send cash rather than a cheque? Do you know, I thought about that the other day. Not sending you uh, cash or anything like that. I haven't written a cheque out for years now. It must be a good few years. I used to quite like writing out cheques. You know, it, it was something tangible. You could look at it and it was, it was physical, but not anymore. Steve, I've seen this sex box. It's awful. 
Well, I mean, I just didn't understand what it's on there for. As I say, I, I, I sent a sympathy card to Steve Jones saying, if that's the best your agent can get you, change your agent. Dreadful. Dreadful. Absolutely. It's just, it's just a part of old rubbish. Dreadful. Uh, 84850 Steve at lbc.co.uk. I'm going to be going through the, um, the papers as per usual this morning. Uh, there are stories in there. Some are, uh, some are good. Uh, some are some are really quite dreary, and some will have you going. Oh my goodness me! I can't believe it. Uh, for example, the uh, the judge telling the mother you can't call your kid cyanide. I mean, you know, you you begin to wonder the mentality of these people. I mean, she she's I mean, she sounds to me as if she's going to be a yeba noba yeba noba yeba noba with a fag in one hand, the dirty ugg boots, the grey tracksuit bottoms, and pushing a pram with multicoloured children in it. You know, that's the kind of image. I, some, why would you want to call your kids cyanide? I mean, you know, these people. You know what'll happen though? They'll actually put them on this morning, and Holly Willoughby and Pip Schofield will sit there saying, "You know, did you really think that was an appropriate name?" And the rest of us are going, "You've scraped the barrel on this." But the trouble is, for this morning, there is no competition because over on the other side, you've got Victoria Derbyshire, and that is like watching paint dry. That is the most boring pile of television rubbish I've ever seen. Seriously, it's just dull. I mean, obviously, it was it was either that or put on a picture of the test card. And for some reason, they decided to commission Victoria Derbyshire. <gasps> Lord above, honestly. What makes these people want to appear on television when they're not even attractive? You know, I mean, you could never call her Totty, could you? Because her name's Victoria. So, you know, I mean, I'm not attractive, but that doesn't matter. I've got a personality. She doesn't even have the personality. And they put it on the television. That's the trouble with the BBC. They don't know what to put on, do they? They've got no idea, you know, of, of exactly what, what to put on the television to get an audience. And so even if it's dire, they persevere with it. They keep putting up the same old, same old. And, and the programme is just dreadful. I mean, it's just... It's, it's the worst thing. It is the worst thing I've ever said. Well, I it's a lie. I've, I think the Jeremy Kyle show is the worst, but they don't know what to do with him either. They really don't know what to do with him. Shouty, shouty man is there, shouting at people every day. You know, people who've gone on there and had to sign their waiver to say they won't sue the programme and he shouts at them, you know, and does his look at me, look at me act. And you think, you know, why would you want to go on the television unless you're desperate to be on the television? You've only got to look at this person to realise they've been cheating on you. You know, do you think you're going to pass the lie detector test? Yes, I am. And, of course, it turns out they don't. And that's when, that's when the audience become like... People in the Colosseum in Rome, they're baying for blood, aren't they? And so, of course, old uh, old Kyle plays up to it. He loves that kind of thing. You know, but as I say, bring on the wife, give her a lie detector test. Why was it you decided to jump the dreary bore that was Jeremy Kyle and go off with, uh, with somebody else who was way more attractive and way more action in the bedroom department? You know, let's see that, you know. Have you cheated with anybody else? And then he can turn to her and say, you said no. Why would you say no? Because I was telling you the truth. It says you were lying. Well, that's what I love it. I mean, it's, 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 it's the same thing every day, but it doesn't really matter, does it? We just want to see Jeremy Kyle just about to blow a, a gasket. <laughs> was quite funny. Uh, the Sun this morning. Monty plays around with three birdies. This is Colin Montgomery under fire from wife Gaynor as they prepare for a divorce. Uh, they say he's been playing around again. Oh, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? He's an old man. He can play around. He's obviously got a bit of money. That makes it quite interesting. But Cruz Beckham... This is the funny story of the day. I mean, this really is hilarious. Cruz Beckham is being tipped for a music career after Mum Vic shared a video of him singing online. They're obsessive. It's some, it, perhaps, it's, perhaps she's got an illness. 
I'm assuming that most of the Beckham family have got this illness, this insatiable urge to push these rubbish stories in our face. The budding pop star, never heard that mentioned before, have you? No, because it's never cropped up, has been compared to Justin Bieber and even caught the attention of Bieber's manager, Scooter Braun, credited for the Canadian's success. Cruz seemed to have inherited Posh Spice's love of music. Posh Spice's love of music. When was that? Somebody explain that one to me. In the 15-second vid, also fairly lengthy then, uh, although unlike her, he shows he can hold a tune. What, in 15 seconds? Don't be so stupid. A music source says... The clip has been doing the rounds and has been seen by a lot of important people like Scooter. There's no doubt Cruz has got talent and is in high demand right now. What a load of old crap, ladies and gentlemen. He's an 11-year-old child. They're obviously trying to get him to do something. And um, apparently uh, the David's, uh, David's father, sorry, Cruz's father, David, has dubbed him a mini Justin Timberlake. Wow. I mean, this family is just unbelievable. Because you've got Brooklyn, who not only is a barista, but he also goes on a skateboard and he's a top photographer. And I think that Harper Beckham is a fashion designer and is going to be big in the fashion industry. And she can dance as well. And then you've got Victoria, who borrows money from Dave to prop up her fashion business. And you've got Dave, who might or might not be setting up a football team in a stadium and at the moment doesn't do anything apart from modelling pants and promoting whiskey. And that's it. But now, luckily, Cruz is going to be the new baby spice in the family. This is unbelievable. It's like the blooming Von Trapps all over again, isn't it? I don't know why they don't all go out on stage. You know, OK, now we're going to sing. Victoria, not, not you, dear, OK? Everybody else can go and sing. Dave, please don't sing. Dave has to protect that post office book 24-7. Uh, Dave, I'm just going to borrow a little bit of money. No, don't take any more money, please. We've only got a little bit left. Yeah, well, I just, listen, I'm, I'll, I'll give it back to you. When? Well, you know, when, when the business goes into profit. When will that be? Um, well, do you need the money at the moment? I might do. What, what, what do you need to buy? Chocolate. Like chocolate bars and things like that. Can we make some more cakes? No, we can't. Anyway, I'm taking the money. 3.8 million. Now, go away. Go away. <laughs> And that's how it's going to go. But the whole fact, I think as the Bond traps, they'd be ideal. Then you'll see who sings and who doesn't sing. Perhaps at the very end of the line, Brooklyn can just make coffee for them. And uh, Victoria can try and look glamorous. But the trouble is, she doesn't look glamorous. That's, that's the problem. There's no class. You know, you cannot, you cannot make yourself have class. You've either got it or you ain't. And sadly, my dear Victoria, you ain't. You know, Daddy might have been an electrician, take you to school in a second-hand roller, but it doesn't give you class. You can't buy class, as we've seen on the Housewives of Cheshire. God knows you can't buy class. Oh, here's uh, Tess and Vernon. It's lovely, isn't it? And uh, they're having a break on distant shores. He's over that side of the beach. She's over this side of the beach. They don't appear to be talking, but uh, that's their business. And uh, and in the never-ending quest to find the dumbest picture of the royals over on their extended freebie... Sorry, they're uh, really luxurious. <laughs> I haven't paid a penny for it holiday. Uh, but it's, it comes under the guise of it's a foreign trip. And, um, and the headline is, You're a big-nosed baldy with a tiny willy. I don't quite get that either. Uh, that's what the translation says. You're a big-nosed baldy with a tiny willy. Well, I think we have seen William's willy, haven't we, now? Do you not remember that picture? He was, unfortunately, he was caught short at, a, at a, um, an event with horses. 
and somebody with a telephoto lens got a picture of the royal jewels. And so we've already seen it. Thank you very much indeed. Mind you, we've seen Prince Andrew as well, haven't we? But there again, he always was a little bit of a little bit of a sort of out on a limb kind of person. But yesterday, the picture of the uh, of the royal couple is playing with a bow and arrow. I mean, it's just it's so boring. Can't they do anything apart from that? You know, the nearest they got to try and selling this as a proper trip was when they said, oh, uh, William and Kate were very concerned about Tata closing down the steel industry, like they know what they're talking about. I think you can just about do it. Oh, so you, you live here? Yes, we're, we're, we're street children. Oh, right. You happy here? They're giving you a new T-shirt. That's very nice, isn't it? And uh, I'm, I'm Prince William, and uh, it's the bird over there. Don't laugh. And uh, she's top shop. Top shop. That's a very cheap outfit. Uh, she's got more expensive outfits, which we'll show you later on. And uh, we're going to go and feed a, a rhinoceros. Have you seen a rhinoceros? Oh, you're street children. OK. Uh, so you haven't seen a rhinoceros. Uh, we, we hadn't until we came here. And we've seen a baby rhinoceros and we fed it. And a baby elephant as well. And you can all do this. All these things are available to you. You just have to pay a bit for it. And so uh, she takes over a stylist. And she takes over a hairdresser and a makeup artist. And he takes over nobody. He just takes himself, I suppose. But it's just its just a bit tedious. I'm bored. Calvin McKenzie, very quickly before we go to the uh, news, talks about the, uh, the Muslim, Rizwan Shabir, walking off the Bear Grylls survival show, The Island, because he felt uncomfortable at female contestants wearing bikinis all the time. When producers offered him the opportunity to be on the show, what did he think women were likely to wear in the middle of the steamy Pacific? Burkers? No, he is the Burke, I'm afraid, in this whole sorry scenario. He must have seen Bear Grylls' programme before, but obviously decided to make a name for himself, and the name was Dumb, I'm afraid. <laughs> Poor soul. Poor soul. He can't do anything about it. And a hot new model. Uh, this is uh, Lottie. And I think, actually, she is the younger sister of Kate Moss. But they're like chalk and cheese. Kate likes wild partying, vodka and fags. Lottie likes Meals with Pals, Justin Bieber and the Tudors. It's just a, it's just a PR puff, isn't it, really, to try and sort of elevate some person into the into the modelling world. All of that and more coming up in the papers, including Robbie Williams, who's going back into the studio to make new music with Take That. I can't wait. Well, I can. LBC News Time, 5. Nick Ferrari at breakfast every weekday morning from 7, only on LBC. Coming up with Nick Ferrari, two suspected migrants are picked up from a dinghy off the Dover coast. Should the pair be allowed to stay and how worried should we be that they made it to Britain? Paramedics are more at risk of getting post-traumatic stress disorder than soldiers coming back from the war. UKIP leader Nigel Farage will take your calls and the Guardian columnist Hugh Muir will take a look through the papers. That's Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7 after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Actually, I found somebody here called... It's either Anne or it's... Shirley, either Anne or Shirley of Kilburn, who's obviously uh, paranoid schizophrenic, I think, and having read the most racist text message I think I've ever seen here. Have you seen it? Can you see it? This one, you probably can't see that one there. What did God say? That one there. And and you don't think you're a racist, Anne? Cool, blimey, I tell you. I'm flagging that one up, actually. I think you're a little bit dangerous, so uh, I'm keeping it. Can you read that one there? No, you can't. But uh, I think it's because I think it only appears on my screen on this one. What a dreadful racist you are. Honestly, what a ghastly person. And uh, don't forget the dreadful tattoo, says uh, Anna in Swiss Cottage. Carla says, uh, you are true grit. True grit. Somebody says, come come the revolution, we're going to put you in charge of uh, of all television programmes. Do you know, the, the funny thing is, there's, there isn't that much that I would get rid of off the television. I would just stop certain people presenting. 
I'd have to stop certain people. One of them would be Keith Lemon. And I think I'd have to stop Pip Schofield. I'm ever so sorry, but I think he's on way too many things. Way too many things. I don't want any, I don't want any more from Pip Schofield. Let's give it a rest, actually, shall we? And let's stop. Can we also stop putting Ant and Deck in for every award under the sun? We know they're clever. We know it works. But, you know, in 10 years' time, they're going to be 50. And it's going to look a bit sad, isn't it? Because you're going to see them in real life and you're going to go, blimey, they really do look old. You know, they're, they're going to age I think, you know, quite, quite quickly. Uh, so the other story which we're running this morning is the fact that Robbie Williams is going back into the studio to record with Take That because Robbie's uh, own career has, uh, has uh, sort of dried up, I think. And he just sits back enjoying his money, which is great. Uh, the woman who co-presents Sexbox is Goodell Likens. Oh, right. She's not appearing on the right stuff, is she? I don't want to see Matthew Wright talking about things like that on the television. It's bad enough, isn't it, really? And we have to suffer with it on the sex thing. Uh, Anna says, I have ridden an elephant when I was in India. I think I've ridden an elephant. You have to get into the... They, they sort of lollop, don't they? You go from side to side. I've, I've, I didn't do one in India, but I think I did one in a zoo many, many years ago. Many, many years ago. Anyway, uh, starting tomorrow on LBC, Saturday morning... Uh, we're putting In Conversation in, and we're going to have the best... We thought an hour of the best of Steve Allen for the week would be just quite a nice little programme, and so we've made a nice little programme for you. And uh, that'll run between five and six. Between six and seven, it's In Conversation. So that's its new place on Saturday mornings. It's also repeated on Sunday evening at nine o'clock, and you can podcast as well. Now, my first guest on the In Conversation this weekend started out... In the Cambridge Footlights, back in the 1960s, which led to numerous roles on stage, screen and television. She was one of the original cast members of the hit musical Wicked in London's West End before transferring for a spell on Broadway. She played Professor Sprout in the Harry Potter series of films and is now back on our screens in the ITV show Plebs. This is series three. It is, of course, Miriam Margulies. And she told me when she was cast in the musical Wicked, it took a while to get used to their way of doing things. Because it had come from America mm. and everything was already set, we were told exactly how to do it and where to stand. Yes. And they would say, no go ad-lib. to two, go to two. And yeah. I say, what do you mean, go to two? It meant on the, on the floor was the, was the number two, go and stand there. And I said, but supposing I don't want to stand there? And they said, well, you have to, because that's how it was done in America. Yes. But we did it. And it, people have loved it. It's oh, very, so still going, it's, still going. You did it with Adina Menzel. I did. And I've done it with other people, too, yes, who yes. are just as good. Yes. Maybe not just as good. She was very special. Spectacular voice. Yes. I remember the f- first time I saw it, and I remember thinking, oh, God. It was great. And I've stood on the stage there. I did a documentary about Wicked. And I stood on the stage thinking, how you ever stayed upright on this thing? I'll never know. But you're right. Once they've done a show and, and it's set... You cannot deviate from it. You've, it works as this shows. So when they say you go to two, you can't wander to three. You, can, you stay in two. No, it's very precise. Very and, precise. And they control it very carefully. Yes. And it's still going in America and I think in countless other places yes, yes, around yes. the world. Oh, and every little girl knows a song from Wicked. Everybody knows a song from Wicked. I've been very lucky because I've been in some quite iconic productions because Harry Potter, in which I was Professor Sprout was something that reached millions of people. Mm. And again, Wicked was hugely, hugely popular. And then I I was in um, Babe. Yeah. Well, I wasn't really in it, but I was a voice in Babe. It was a voice. So I've I've been very lucky, really. It's a very good conversation. You'll love it. Miriam Margulies, who's going to be with me tomorrow 
on LBC. My second guest, an award-winning Hollywood actor, filmmaker and comedian. On screen, you'll have seen him in the cult 80s movie Swingers, as well as playing Pete Becker in the hugely successful television series Friends. Behind the lens, he's directed some of the biggest Hollywood hits of recent times, such as Elf and Cowboys and Aliens, as well as the Iron Man series. He's now back with a stunning new version of The Jungle Book, which I absolutely loved. John Favreau is my guest, and he told me how the latest digital technology helped him with this new film. I've been through the digital thing with Iron Man before, so I, I knew what it was going to be like. But then when we started talking about films like Life of Pi and Avatar in, in our meetings, I started to realize that you can do something much more ambitious. And I felt that the technology has really gotten there to show animals and fur seeing films like uh, yes. Planet of the Apes. Yes. And so we set out to do something. Actually, most of the work was done right here in London by a company called MPC. Yes. And they were they were very good with the fur and the animal movement and the it's environments. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And so it's just the kid. The entire jungle, we filmed it in downtown Los Angeles, so there's no, there's no jungle in it. No. And we built tiny sets, not much bigger than the studio, <laughs> and, uh, and all the animals are, are fake, too. So it's a real testament to the, uh, the artistry of the technical people, the animators, the compositing artists. It's a real handmade film, even though it's super high-tech. I mean, it, I, mean I, I sat there, and I, I just got... From the opening sequence, which I thought reminded me of Bambi. Well, that shot... That's very it, good. That shot's from, like that. That shot is from, from Bambi. It is from Bambi. We lifted it from Bambi. Because Bambi was... was uh, <laughs> it was a real high watermark for, for naturalism with Disney, and he was... You know, it was the film that they were doing soon after Snow White. Snow White was a tremendous success yes, for the studio. Yes. And they started playing with something called multiplane, where you shift layers of background at different rates to create the sense of parallax and 3D. So that was really the high-tech 3D of its day. Uh, it's an amazing film. I can't, I can't begin to tell you. It's, uh, we think, and um, we do say during the course of the interview, John Favreau, I said, you know, what age do you think it appeals to? It carries a PG rating. Uh, young children can go and see it. They've got to obviously with an adult. We didn't think anybody under seven should really see it because there are. I mean, seriously, at some points, I thought I was going to have a heart attack because it's because of the the Dolby sound and because it's in three D. This thing leaps out at you, so you're wearing the glasses and you know uh, when you first saw your first three D film. And I think the first one I ever saw was at Disney. I think Disneyland had a a three D thing, and it might have been Michael Jackson's. But it starts off with this rock which is in the middle of the screen, and then it gradually comes towards you until it's floating above your head. And, of course, what does everybody do? They put their hand out to see if you can touch it, but you can't. It's 3D. But they filmed this in 3D. So when, when Sheer Khan leaps out at the screen... Seriously, you think he's heading for you. So just be warned. Just be warned. But it's a fabulous film. Really fabulous film. Really, really good. Really good. And so John Favreau with me this weekend for In Conversation along with Miriam Margulies. And that's tomorrow morning for its first airing, as they say, between six and seven. And we're going to do that every week. So there'll be uh, the best of Steve Allen between five and six. Then the In Conversation, which tomorrow is John Favreau and Miriam Margulies. And then you get Andrew Castle with Breakfast. Then you get Ken and David. And so the, it plans through quite nicely. And on Sunday morning... I'm here with the papers between five and seven, then Andrew Castle, and then everybody's favourite girl. She's back again, Katie Hopkins. <laughs> she loves it. She really does. Steve, I agree about the Victoria Derbyshire show, to be sure she's recently battled breast cancer. That's got nothing to do with it. I don't think I'm talking about Victoria Derbyshire. I don't think she's on the programme at the moment, is she? It's the Victoria Derbyshire show, but with somebody else doing it. It's a dreadful programme. It's absolutely dreadful. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not remotely interested in, you know, I'm well aware of uh, Victoria Derbyshire's uh, illness, but that doesn't alter the fact that it's a terrible programme. 
Got nothing. It's like saying somebody in a wheelchair, you know, that makes the programme. No, it doesn't. The programme would be dire anyway. And uh, Gucci Tom says, I think Victoria's off the show as she's unwell. Yes, it's somebody. I don't know who it is. It's a dreadful programme. Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. But uh, then luckily we're all critics, aren't we, nowadays? Uh, quickly, let's do some more of these. Uh, uh, Noreen's talking about uh, checks. And she says, I tried to buy premium bonds over the phone yesterday, despite me having had bonds since 1966 and buying some over the phone last month. I couldn't, as they apparently didn't have my date of birth. We had a long discussion, but no, at the end of the call, the lady said, is there anything else I can help you with? Which amused me. So I've sent an application form with a check. The 60s show was great. Peter Noon had uh, Vance, his guitarist, with him in the UK for the first time. He joined Peter when you did an In Conversation years ago. Looks a bit like Brian May hair-wise. Like, Noreen loves her 60s uh, shows. Absolutely loves her 60s shows. She will, she will trek the length and breadth of the land to go to a 60s show. Uh, Victoria Derbyshire is back on the programme now. She hosted it yesterday. That wasn't who I saw. I'm, I'm going back a few weeks. And so I didn't know who it was. They all seem to look the same. You notice, I think there's a cupboard at the BBC where they open it up and out come all the presenters and they all look the same. It's like at Sky. It's always very interesting that you, you go to Sky, nobody's hair moves. Have you noticed? Every girl presenter, woman presenter, person presenter on Sky, their hair is like concrete. It's absolutely amazing. I sit there. It's almost like years ago, apparently... Um, you can sort of watch people's hair moving, but nobody's hair moves on television. And I think years ago, I think it was Andy Crane used to use a can full of uh, hairspray. <laughs> and I was led to believe that Philip Schofield used a lot of hairspray as well, but then you have to, really. Uh, somebody called Joanna Gosling has been hosting it. That might have been the one I saw. I've got no idea who she is. But then, you know, we don't know who anybody is on the beat. They make such a big deal about it. But uh, she could have come from BBC Radio Solent, you know, or something like that. Some some sort of little... Pl- oh, look, is that Bhutan? Is that the royal family? Oh, there she is. There she is. Oh, that's her, is it? There's a look, isn't there? She's off the BBC News Channel, that's right. So there's a picture of her. And uh, showing a lot of bosom, I thought. And uh, there you go. A lot of people. She was born in 19... Television News with Emma. That's right. She's worked for local radio. <laughs> BBC Radio Solent. <laughs> She's married to um, Craig Oliver. You know who he is, don't you? You know who Craig Oliver is? He's... Uh, isn't he, I think, uh, the director of communications for David Cameron? I'm pretty certain. Memory serves me. And uh, so that's interesting. I still don't know who she is. It doesn't really tell... It just says that, you know, she's a a British, you know, television presenter. They make such a big deal about reading off an auto-cue. I don't know why. But apparently she was... uh, Oh, she did The Sound of Music and the newsroom's got talent presided over by Drea's Morgan. And uh, they lost out to a team from ITV News. Uh, for the 2010 contest, she joined Jeremy Vine, Ben Brown and Naga Manchetti to perform a rendition of the Humans League's Don't You Want Me. Oh, God, nothing worse, is there? You watch, she'll be on, uh, she'll be on the dancing programme next. It's what they generally do with them, isn't it? They sort of drag them around a bit and they go, do you want to do the dancing programme? We've had everybody else off the BBC's breakfast time and we can't find anybody else. So let's shove you on there. Some poor old baggage out of Hollyoaks will be on. But uh, that's all she's done. She just reads news. That's, uh, that's all it is. And sort of, oh, she's been seen reading a fictional news item about a volcanic eruption at Yellowstone National Park. Lovely, riveting stuff. I love the way they try and make you know somebody's auto QT reading into sort of a full page 
on Wikipedia. Mind <laughs> we all get it, don't we? We all get it. It's all a bit of fun. Uh, to Identity and Beyond, the story of how the man who changed his name to Buzz Lightyear has won a year-long battle to put it on his driving licence. Yep, we still are the country that produces the most stupid, and we'll tell you about them in a moment. Quarter to six. Leading Britain's conversation. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. 11 minutes to six. It's Friday. I'm so grateful it's Friday. It's been such a busy week this week, and it's nice to have that time to... To sort of go down. I've got this stupid bit of a cold. It's not It's not manifested itself into something awful. But I have a feeling, unless we rest over this weekend, it might be by next week. Anyway, Michael Dennis, the black cab poet, says, I took Miriam Margulies home in my cab once. Well, to your place. No, to her place, obviously. She had two heavy bags full of old books. When we got to the house, she asked if I'd kindly carry the bags to her study. Yes, where is it? I said, on the top floor. Three flights of stairs, she says. A lovely, yet I suspect, mischievous lady. (coughs) Excuse me. She's very mischievous. She's very mischievous. As you have, uh, as you have discovered, she's very mischievous. And you'll hear in the interview, she's very mischievous. Sometimes she says things and you think, you're being naughty again. She's very naughty. Because when I I reminded her of the time that she um, bared her ample chest to me, and she said, I don't remember. I said, well, strangely, I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, Steve, says John, who could be Tommy, uh, Keith Lemon's a fictional character. Uh, I don't think so, no. No, I think, I think Keith, Keith Lemon and Lee Francis are exactly the same person. I don't think he puts on... Do you think he puts on a wig or something and sort of has cosmetic surgery? No, it's exactly the same person. In fact, because I've seen him being interviewed, and he's only ever Keith Lemon. He, uh, in every programme he does, he's Keith Lemon. They, 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 they never say, hosted by Lee Francis. I, don't even, I mean, if, if you've bought into this that it's two different people, think again. It's exactly the same person. Exactly the same person. So, uh, it's a nice thought, but, you know, it's, it is the same person. Uh, even though you might think it's a character and he tries to convince you he's an actor, but no, it's exactly the same person. Uh, Chris in Manchester says, what about doing a weekly or monthly film review show? Oh, shut up. Goodness sake, honestly. <laughs> we used to have a film programme, but to be honest with you, I think you make up your own mind. If you want to go and see a film, you'll go and see a, a film, uh, whether I say it's brilliant or, or not. And I don't, I don't go to the cinema that often. In fact, I'm fatal because of the time I get up in the morning when they have these screenings. And they generally offer you about six different choices of, uh, of date and time and stuff like that. So I've got to pick something early morning. But they're generally, the earliest I've ever had is 10 for 10.30. And you get there, and it's a lot of the same people, and they're just they're really boring, some of these film critics. They're so dull. I kid you not. You go in there. You can always tell the radio people, because they're all sort of buzzy and chatty. The film people stand around looking miserable. They all seem to know each other. But, I mean, I don't take any notice of what somebody writes about anything. You know, there's, there's a couple of them appear on the, uh, on the television, and uh, they're just so boring. Seriously, they're very dull people. Who cares? If you want to go and see a film because it's got Tom Cruise in or it's got special effects, you'll go and see it. You, you know, you might be influenced by me saying that uh, this latest Jungle Book is a brilliant film. Some of you might go and see it on the strength of me saying that. Because it is very clever. But there again, because I don't go that often, you know, I've only got to see something that is marginally good and I rave over it. But this is, this is so clever. You do sit there marvelling at which bit is real and which bit isn't. And the answer is only the kid is real in it. Only the kid. Yes, he was there, yes. Oh, he's so dull. He really is boring. He's really up his own... Seriously, he's just dreadful. Outspoken, opinionated, and never lost for words, but the biggest bore under the sun, honestly. I've never seen anybody so dull. And um, he's... He's awful. 
He really... It's, these people, they become so supercilious. And you sort of watch them on programmes. And you look, see, look at these animals. Look, 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 look. You'd never know, would you? You'd never know that that... that I mean, it's just... Sorry. <laughs> Lost track of the programme. They keep showing little clips. You know, all this grass. It's all CGI. Everything is CGI. Look, all these herds of buffalo. CGI. Not even one real buffalo. Not even a real buffalo. It's so... Look, water. CGI'd. Tree. CGI'd. Go see it. Go see it. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. You won't be disappointed. Anyway, there's a, there's a lady. She's... Uh, she's uh, her, her, her boyfriend finished with her. And uh, she wasn't happy about it. Her name's Nicole Perry. Nicole Perry. And uh, she was dumped by her boyfriend called Tim Harris. And so, in an effort to get him back, and I don't know really how she thought this was going to work, she started sending him uh, raunchy pictures, an explicit film, and uh, so he kept cancelling her phone and deleting it, and she just went and got another one. She used different numbers. I mean, uh, she called him 300 times, including 130 times in one day. Anyway, he he had enough. And uh, so they had a bit of a fiery on-off relationship, during which the police had been called out several times. Anyway, she was hit with a 12-month restraining order and a 12-month community order and was told to attend emotional management sessions. Poor, poor Nicole Perry is single and uh, deserves to be single. They go mad, don't they? They go absolutely stark staring mad. 130 times in a day. Listen, he doesn't like you now. He's liking you less. As it goes through... He's hating you more and more and more. Uh, spending the night with Leonardo DiCaprio uh, for poor Laura Whitmore. This is the, the desperately under-challenged Laura Whitmore. She's so desperate to be famous, she'll turn up to the opening of a fridge and do 20 minutes. I mean, she's just a presenter on the television, a very average presenter on the television. But anyway, according to the papers, she's been just axed from I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, uh, ending her five-year stint fronting the show. The blow comes two months after uh, the bizarre TV revealed her wild night celebrating Leo's BAFTA. And she caught his eye at an after-dinner party. And um, and I think she went off with a load of other people. There's no suggestion anything ever happened. But, of course, she's not said anything. So it gives the air of mystery. No, no, not at all for me, I'm afraid. But anyway, um, so they've... Um They've sort of axed her. She says, confirming the exit, she says, after five incredible series, I've taken the tough decision to hang up my jungle boots. Yeah. She's been axed. <laughs> they all say that, don't they? They say, I've taken that tough decision. It's like, you know, Cheryl Spagbowl. You know, I've decided that I want to quit X Factor because, frankly, you know, everybody's laughing at me and I don't want to be laughed at anymore because I want to be taken seriously. Because I've got a 22-year-old boyfriend, right? And I'm 32 and I'm, and I'm a singer, singer-songwriter, and I'm, I'm brilliant. And so I'm going to concentrate on my musical career. And we all go, what musical career? And they go, um, well, we don't know. But whatever it is, she's going to resurrect it for something. Stephen Fry's apologised for those abuse comments, as indeed I thought he had to. He said, basically, that people who suffered from abuse and droned on about it have only got themselves to blame. Get over yourself. And I was then thinking, um, I think maybe that's possibly the wrong thing to say. Possibly. And he's, he, that's right, bored with their self-pity, he said. And I remember thinking, so, so when you went through your breakdown and you walked out of that stage play in London, should we have gone, oh, get over yourself? Stop being so silly. When he was doing cocaine in Highgrove and places like that, should we go, oh, get over yourself, grow up, stop being so silly? No, we didn't say that. We didn't say that at all. Uh, 84850. Uh, the Buzz Lightyear story is awesome. I changed mine in 1998 to Bart Simpson. I had no problem getting it on my driver's licence, but it does cause issues if I get stopped by the police, says Bart Simpson in Basildon. 
This is the bloke who's managed to change his name with the DVLA to uh, Buzz Lightyear, uh, to infinity and beyond. It's... Um, it's a story of, perhaps, um, I don't know what it is. It just strikes me as being, why do we want to change their name? Do you remember there was that woman, she had all those kids and she named them after football teams and things like that. I mean, I thought it was bad enough with the Barking Mad Beckhams with Cruz, Brooklyn, Romeo and Harper Seven. You know, which sounds like a very cheap can of lager. But uh, the, 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 the producer does know somebody who has changed his name to Shammy Ninja Penguin. Shammy Ninja Penguin. I mean, mind you, in this business, in, in the radio business, not not so much in speech... It works in radio, does it? Oh, Lord, don't tell me where. Not in this building, is it? Oh, thank God for that. But you get a lot of DJs who change their name to go on the radio, um, especially in music radio, you know, because people want to be called, you know, The Rock, The Edge, The Bridge, The Hair, you know, whatever it happens to be. People had sort of nicknames years ago. Whereas, you know, I just prefer the name. It's it's so much simpler, isn't it? So Bart Simpson, that had no problems getting it on the driving lines. Well, he'd, he'd waited ages, apparently, to try and get Buzz Lightyear, and they were umming and ahhing, and then they eventually went for it, and they said, yes, you can have it. So they've got a picture of his uh, of his driving licence with Buzz Lightyear on it. Lightyear, uh, first name Buzz. I mean, you imagine with the police stopping you're going to... So what's your name? Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, OK. What's your real name? Buzz Lightyear. I mean, if you change it by deed poll or a business name, well, that's your, that's your name then, isn't it? You can be taxed under that. The only time you'll ever find somebody's real name is on their passport and driving licence. Once you've got it changed to Buzz Lightyear, you're laughing. Absolutely. And um, you'll be pleased to know that your FB, is that Facebook fan page, has now got over 3,000 members, says little Julie. Good grief. Grief. I, don't, I did tell you yesterday I bumped into uh, Tony Paledri. You know, from uh, from Little Italy, up in uh, up in um, Soho, and uh, it was lovely. To see. He looked really well at the moment. I'm not saying he didn't look well the last time I saw him, but he looked, looked very, very well at the moment. I like it when people look well and healthy, and it was lovely. It was a gorgeous day when we had the Dynamo unveiling. It was lovely. And um, Mark says, "You say these three in a bed celebs have olive oil? My God, olive and Popeye were my childhood eras. Don't tell me sweet peas, the third one. I don't like to think about it. They say that the this." celebrity couple could be named by this weekend. I'm beginning to wonder how that's going to happen when there's a high court injunction out and uh, and they're trying to gag Google as well. I mean, seeing as everybody knows about it from Canada to Scotland via the Americas, I don't know how much longer it can be kept secret. Most of you seem to know who it is. We just can't talk about it, which, of course, is uh, is the safest way. Uh, The allegations building up against that football star's charity. This is Didier uh, Drogba. We had it yesterday on the programme. He's threatened to sue the mail, uh, but now the Charities Commission have got involved and they've said, no, they are looking at it because if somebody... (coughs) Excuse me. um, ..has got a charity, then there is a duty of care. If it's taking in money, they want to know, you know, not necessarily where the money's going, but they want to, to see that everything is over and above board. So it's an investigation by the Mail. It continues today. It turns out that one of the pictures of one of the children who is being helped is, in fact, the the grandson, is it, of, uh, of one of our footballers in this country. He's not even a poor child from this village at all. The Sun on Sunday, incidentally, are appealing the celebrity injunction. Yeah, I think Stig told me that a couple of weeks ago. Whether it gets anywhere remains to be seen. <coughs> I think we'll go and get some water, shall we? And uh, then come back. We've got 30 minutes of Steve Allen's early breakfast remaining, which is just as well on a Friday. And we will have a free podcast, but the news is next. Leading Britain's conversation. 
This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday. It's the 15th of April. You can be forgiven this morning for jumping up and down going whoopee. But unfortunately, the weather for the weekend is uh, is dismal, to say the least. And it's going to continue today, I'm afraid. There's more rain forecast. So before you set off for work, and you will be setting off very shortly, I should imagine, uh, take an umbrella with you. Have you noticed nobody has Macs anymore? That seems really... Years and years ago, I remember, everybody had a Macintosh. I had a Macintosh. And people used to have those plastic packamacs that they used to wear. Nobody has them now. People have umbrellas or they just get wet. I'm always amazed at how many people don't have umbrellas, even though I'm constantly saying, it's going to rain today, take an umbrella, make sure you don't get too wet because then you get a cold like Steve Allen and you'll be very miserable like a bear with a very sore head. Lots to get through between now and 6.30. Don't forget we have a free podcast for you every day on LBC, Monday through Friday. And all you have to do is go to the LBC website, download the free LBC app, and then every day that gets sent to you. The other podcast of this part of the programme, you can download as well. That's a pay-for podcast. And for as little as £2 a month, you can download everything on LBC. That's just not for this programme, which, of course, would be very cheap and reasonable. But that's for everything on LBC. And you get to keep it. It's not like borrowing it from iTunes or something like that. You get to keep it. So you can download. And we go back about, what did we say, three years at least three years. All the in conversations, all the specialist programs, and modes of Steve Allen programs on there, which you can download. And so every time you hear something, you just click on and it downloads it to you. It's nice and simple, and it's worth every single penny. Two pounds a month from as two as little as two pounds a month, you can download everything. So that's good news, isn't it? And uh, don't forget, we are with you tomorrow morning. This is the start of in conversation on a Saturday morning, just before Andrew Castle. So best of Steve Allen. First bit between five and six between six and seven it's in conversation and it's uh, it's a real cracker as well uh, dave reckons i could be steve the spike allen talking about nicknames for people and uh yeah sally says when i worked at a dental surgery uh, we had a patient who changed their name to hendrix as they were crazy about jimmy hendrix it's hard that isn't it really why do people want to do that uh, somebody was telling me that uh, apparently uh, david beckham wait a minute oh somebody says here uh, Steve Allen's show says the Jeremy Kyle show is a guilty pleasure. I've never said any such thing. Put words in my mouth. I'm having to delete these people. Somebody says Steve Allen's show admits to loving Jeremy Kyle. I said no such thing. Absolutely outrageous that somebody would, would try and insinuate that I've said something, which I certainly did not say. I didn't say I loved it at all. I've, in fact, if anything, I'd take the mickey out of it. Absolutely outrageous. And John says uh, Bex made his sons work in a local coffee shop. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. The only one who was working in there, laughingly as a barista, but of course he was just collecting empty coffee cups, was Brooklyn. The others can't work in there. They're not old enough. One's only just 11, for goodness sake. He's going to be the new Justin Bieber. Harper Seven's going to be designing her own range of clothes for little people, probably, and perhaps open up her own shop. It's kind of world domination, but sort of on a lower scale to everybody else. So uh, he didn't make his sons work in a local coffee shop at all, and it lasted all of five minutes. Honestly, I do wish people didn't believe everything they read in the papers. You might need to listen to LBC more and more to actually get the full facts. We like to, you know, to tell you the facts, just in case you get things wrong. And then, you know, it makes people look a bit daft, doesn't it, really? Uh, Sue says, get some warm water. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing the coffee. And actually, probably coffee is the worst thing I should be having, because I think it's a, a throat irritant. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm coping with it. We, we haven't coughed too much during the... We've had worse coughs. We have had. And uh, Alan from Clayhall, that'd be a nice in conversation to get. Tom Baker. Yes, I, I love Tom Baker's voice. I loved, it. I loved him when he did all the, uh, the things for Little Britain. 
This is Britain. We're open Monday to Friday, half day Wednesday. I used to love things like that. I thought it was terribly clever, terribly cleverly put together. Uh, Steve, we saw the Eddie the Eagle film last night. and Very good. And tonight, going to see an Elvis tribute show. Really looking forward to it. Elvis was the king. Hope I don't cough too much, says Tricia. It's the third week. It's such a bore. Yeah, take... Um, <clears throat> Take sort of um, sucky sweets, strepsils or something like that. It's the only way that you can get through. It's so annoying. If somebody has a cough in a theatre, you know, that, that, can be, that can be really annoying, can't it? Um, 84850, um, Michael Dennis, yes. He said, I don't mind changing your name with the DVLA, but there is a car on the road that has the... Yes, I've, I've, uh, I've heard of that as well, actually. It's amazing what you can get on number plates, isn't it? People like the... I've seen the... Um, the, who was it was saying that somebody's got a number plate? Oh, Paul Daniels has magic on his car. And I don't know whether or not Debbie is going to keep it or sell it, because I should imagine the number plate's worth a bit of money to a, a fellow magician. They would like it. Over in America, you can have anything on your number plate. You can have Copperfield 1 or in a, you know something like that, uh, or Dynamo 1 if you were in America. But over here, it's, it's got to be registered and everything else. Over there, you can make up things and get away with it. Uh, stories from the papers, which we're talking about this morning. Finally, Stephen Fry says sorry for those abuse comments, uh, which I knew he would have to, because I thought even by his standards, that had gone just a little bit too far. Uh, the chairman of the British Fertility Society says we should give three-year-olds sex education. I don't know about that. We're giving LBC's audience a sex education. With, uh, with Lucy Beresford. Uh, the RBS are closing down branches. I knew this a while ago, because I've got friends who work for the, uh, the bank. They're going to revert back to William and Glynn's, which uh, is what I joined all those years ago. I like William and Glynn's. Uh, I don't like the idea of closing down branches, but to be brutally honest with you, as much as I hate the idea, when was the last time you went in a branch? You can do everything on the telephone. You don't, you don't, do, don't need to do anything in a branch anymore. You can go in there. If I need extra money, I can go into a branch... But apart from that, I don't need to go there. I don't think I've visited my branch in about 15 years. Uh, sheer Genius, Walt Disney's latest. Uh, the Sheer is in Sheer Khan. OK, a little, little bit of a play on words there. And the judge who tells the mother you can't call the kids cyanide. She said because it was what killed um, Adolf Hitler. Well, they're not sure, are they? They're not sure what killed Adolf Hitler. Was he not... Uh, blown up in a in a bunker or set on fire or something. I can't remember whether it was cyanide or not. But you don't call your kids cyanide. You really don't. He, he might have shot himself. But we don't know. We don't know. But I, I don't think cyanide. I know that they did use during wartime cyanide capsules, which in I think who was Hitler's henchman? He had a henchman um, Goebbels. Might have been Goebbels. He had um, he had a cyanide thing uh, fitted into a tooth, I believe. So when he bit on it. The cyanide killed him. And so I remember, I remember that quite vividly. The sniffer dogs, which they've got in the airport, totally useless. Totally useless. These ones are supposed to be sniffing out drugs. In, I think, six months or a year, they found nothing at all. All they found is sausages and cheese, which isn't exactly what they were trained to do. So uh, now we'll have to be uh, a little bit careful when we go through the airport. Don't take sausages, for God's sake. You can be in the most dreadful trouble. And uh, where does the foreign aid go? The corrupt and brutal tyrannies propped up with your money. Your money. Somebody will pick up on this a little bit uh, later on today. Uh, somebody says, do you think that uh, David Furnish should have a title? Because Elton has one. This cropped up on my programme a few weeks ago. We were asking this question because I think, I think David Furnish said, well, Elton's got a title. Why do I not get the other? And I didn't know what the answer was. 
I, I, I really didn't know what the answer was. There was lovely pictures of them in the paper, wasn't there, the other day, as they were at uh, Billy Elliot. And then Elton was the other day sitting on a... I think he was sitting on a suitcase outside an airport or something and uh, looking fairly happy with the world. Daily Express this morning. New diabetes breakthrough. Scientists are closing in on a cure for type 1, the major discovery in the race to find it. Because to be honest with you, it'll be cheaper to find a cure than it is to keep paying out for diabetic care which is what uh, many of us are on. Uh, the UK jackpot winner, we think, has come forward to collect the £51 million. Pounds. That'd change your, change your weekend a little bit, wouldn't it? That'd be nice. I wouldn't mind that. £51 million. Pounds. Very, very nice. And uh, what would you do first? 50, 51 million quid. I think I'd find a cure for the common cold. Or something that I'd take to my bed for a whole week. I'd go for one of those big Dolmeo mattresses where you sink into it and it moulds to your body shape. I thought that's going to be a clever mattress, isn't it? It really is. Uh, what else do we have in the papers? We had, um, um, oh, the murder of the child beauty queen. This is uh, John Bennett Ramsey's parents who were considered the prime suspect in her case. It was made into a television documentary. Uh, John Bennett Ramsey uh, died on Christmas Day. She was just six years old. She was one of these growing number of children in America and in this country as well, whose parents put them into what are laughingly called beauty pageants. Over there, the the little beauty pageants that they went in for were little girls uh, who were dressed up as adults. They had uh, their hair dyed and bleached and primped. They wore little pageant outfits and they danced and they, you know blue kisses at the judges and all this kind of thing. It was the sexualisation of children. They're the most awful things to watch. They really are the most ghastly. These poor little children are dragged around the country and, uh, and made to perform. And when you look at the pictures of John Bennett Ramsey and, uh, and you think she was just six years old and she had all these outfits made for her and, uh, and then she died. And in fact... Uh, the uh, the body was discovered in the basement of the family's home in Boulder, Colorado. Nobody was ever found responsible for the killing. They think they might have solved the mystery after all these years. You'll have to read the paper today. I don't have enough time to actually go into it. But it was certainly something that at the time made all the papers because people were going, A, why do parents put their kids through these little things? I mean, some of the kids like it and some of them get a bit bored. With, they're standing there. I mean, I think on one case I was watching a documentary and the kid was standing there just trying to stay awake for this thing. And, and I just, you know, I just thought it's wrong, isn't it? Just so they can go home with some ghastly ornament, which is made out of plastic and sprayed gold. And, and parents kind of like that, that sort of thing, don't they? they go, oh, these are all the, all the things that they've won in these things. They only do them with girls. They don't do them with boys. Because it would just look a little bit ridiculous, wouldn't it? Um, <clears throat> another one here. In bank branches today, every other employee has the title manager. Why? Says Jane. Well, because that's all they've got. They don't seem to have counter staff anymore. They have managers who look after quite a few branches. And so uh, my bank manager from years and years ago, a guy called Steve, I think he used to look after about four different branches. And, uh, and, and, and that's the way it works. I mean, they, they don't have the amount of staff in branches now that they, that they, that they had to before. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Uh, Will you stop saying half past seven? It's not, Steve. It's quarter past six. I know. It makes people run for the bus, though, doesn't it? I think that's... Mind you, I've never seen anybody running for a bus. Does anybody run for buses now? Of course they don't. And uh, Susie said, just got in from a film premiere. Well, quarter past six in the morning? What sort of film premiere goes for that time? Golden years. So proud. My brother was the producer, says Susie. 
I've never heard of it, actually. Never heard of it. I'm sure it's absolutely marvellous. I'm sure it's absolutely marvellous. Quarter past six, the LBC News with Eleanor. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. 6.20, Friday. (laughs) Whoopee. Believe you me, whoopee means a lot this morning. Nine Below Zero says the best thing about these early flights is listening to the magical at Steve Allen show at LBC, which is very nice. And uh, and Mark Rice says, uh, yes, he says, I worked for LBC and filled in for Clive Bull in Grayson Road. 99? Oh, God, listen, don't ask me anything about years. I'm rubbish about years. I'm absolutely terrible. Somebody says, uh, Steve, can you read out the uh, the big, ugly Stephen Fry's apology? Um, no. <laughs> Decided not. And... Um, Yes. Well said at Steve Allen's show. I think I'll watch a... To think that I'll watch a film on the back of uh, this particular film critic's pondering. Yes, I mean, it's just... I can't believe that somebody gets paid to go and sit in a room and watch a film and then pontificates like they're the be-all and end-all. It's like theatre critics. You know, I used to watch the theatre critics all the time. They would come in and they sit. They're the most miserable bunch of people. They really were. And then they'd go off and, and they would write their scathing review or not scathing, whatever it happened to be. And we do the same now. We sort of, we take these people's word for it. You want to see a film? You go see it. You don't have to take uh, anybody's word for it when, they, you know, just because they go and review it. Who cares? Who cares what they think? Uh, Steve, nobody runs for buses. There are so many on the roads and they stop every 500 yards. Yes, I always find it a bit of a thing to actually get the bus to stop by me. That's always the interesting thing. At some point, somebody's going straight past me. Well, you know, past me a little, anything. I've got to walk to it, so I develop a limp. Just makes it look a bit bad. Makes them feel a bit guilty, I think. Actually, no, it probably doesn't. It doesn't make them feel guilty at all. But uh, certainly not running. Certainly not running. Uh, sausages and cheese, says Caroline. Very odd. Why are Wallace and Gromit packing sausages on their travels? Some people tell... When I used to go to... Um, uh, to Vienna. They used to love sausage. They're funny, actually. They've got sausages over there. But uh, the girls had a fixation with Wall's pork sausages. Other brands were available, but they didn't want those ones. They wanted the Wall's pork sausages. Uh, front page of the Mirror. The story that every parent must read. It's uh, the story of somebody who snared a paedophile, tried to groom her 12-year-old daughter. And so she led them along and then went along and confronted them. And that's the, uh, the story in the papers for today. Uh, the royal couple's bow and arrow fun. They're obviously quite simple, these people in the royal family. You know, they get excited over a bow and arrow. Do you think people are standing there going, what are they doing? She's firing a bow and arrow. And they go, what? It's a bit dull, isn't it, really? Uh, very dull. Also, the uh, the killer collapsed on the Holiday Island. This is uh, the Canary Island resort full of British tourists. This is in uh, Tenerife, Los Cristianos. And uh, the building just collapsed. And uh, it was terrible. Also, the story of Charles Kennedy. He left 880000 to his son, Donald. Uh, I'm not sure whether or not that was made up of the house or property or money he had in the bank. It was certainly a lot of money, wasn't it, really? Oh, that's why. That's why. Uh, he left instructions that his estate be held in trust for Donald, who is 11, until he reaches 25. He'll also become tenant of three crofts and land valued at uh, 210000 when he's 21. So that will be, uh, that'll be adding up, won't it? So it's going to be in there about 14 years. He'll be making quite a bit of money on it. I hope he lives that long. Uh, Victoria's Secret, she's got a sense of humour. It's just PR puff, isn't it? Everything about Victoria Beckham and the Beckham family is PR puff. Who cares? Who cares? She's not, not that important in the... You know, she doesn't have clothes sold in Topshop, which sells more clothes probably than anybody else. It's Victoria Beckham. <laughs> VB, as they say. Uh, the slipper dogs, no drugs, plenty of cheese and sausages. And the judge who tells the mum you can't call the baby cyanide. Worried social workers took the matter to court 
because they're really brilliant social workers, aren't they? And now the appeal judges have ruled the sinister name could harm the tot. The mother, who's got a history of mental illness, drug and alcohol abuse and relationships with abusive men, was barred from registering Preacher as the name of the girl's twin brother. Uh, I mean, it's just awful, isn't it, really? I mean, it's the things that we're having to deal with in this country now that any other way you just say, oh, stop it now, please, just stop it now. Uh, what have we got here? Oh, somebody um, who overcame their stammer to give the best ever wedding speech. That's quite some achievement, isn't it? I quite like that, a good story. And sold the VC, the Victoria Cross, won by a World War I hero. And this was given to First World War volunteer... Corporal Lawrence Weathers, who rushed alone under heavy fire towards enemy lines. He threw several hand grenades into the trench, killing the commanding officer before rushing back to his position to get more, made a second devastating attack, then urged his comrades to join him in taking the position. His action resulted in the capture of 180 prisoners and three machine guns outside the town of Peron in northern France. And uh, he got the VC for that. They've just sold it. The family have sold it. Obviously, it's more important to have the money. Uh, his widow, Annie, accepted the medal on his behalf, and it had remained in the family ever since. Uh, this is from, uh, oh, from a long while ago, actually. But anyway, now they've sold it at auction. How much for? 318000 uh, Oh, that's right. With all the added fees, uh, the overall price was 318000 Isn't that amazing? <coughs> the overall record for one of these is a million uh, Lord Ashcroft paid for that. He's he's the one who buys all of these. And if you go to the Imperial War Museum, there's a room just full of all the uh, the VCs. They all see, appear to be different to me. I thought they would all look the same, but they don't look the same at all. Lots of different ones. He also bought the uh, that uh, that lady's uh, one, which her, was sold by her daughter as well a short while ago, which I'm quite pleased about. I like it if somebody buys them and then puts them on display so that you get to see them. Uh, the hilarious story of the day is, well, apart from the fact that... Uh, that Cruz Beckham is going to be the new Justin Bieber. He's 11, so let's not waste our time, shall we? Let's just put them down as a very silly family, a little bit of a showy-offy time. Uh, former made-in Chelsea bloke Mario Falcone has blasted the show for forcing him to dumb down. No, I think you dumb down quite naturally by yourself, Mario. And after you appeared on the internet, dumbing down even further, uh, Mario admits he wasn't... Uh, always forced to cap his vocabulary. In his sartorial career, he was expected to be more verbose in his communications. He said, because he's a, he's a, a, a tailor. He said, and, and I, so I can speak to wealthy clients like, all right, me geezer. It sounds horrible. When I was on this morning for a segment, Holly Willoughby said, Mario, I mean this in the nicest possible way, but you're really intelligent. I had no idea. Yeah, no, she was taking the mickey, mate. I'll just I'll tell you that now. <laughs> don't, don't believe it. It's just you can fool some people some of the time and you can fool anybody from Essex all of the time, can't you? Uh, 20 questions we fear to ask and why it's costing us a fortune. Questions like, uh, would you like to go out with me? That's a question. You don't, you, don't, you don't hear that very often, do you? Nobody says that to people anymore. Uh, can you pay me back, please? Could you control your child? Can I have your phone number? Can I have a pay rise? Can I have my money back? Could you please move your bag so I can sit down? Because you get people who sit on the trains or the buses, don't they? They put the bag next to them. Or fill out the seat. They say, excuse me, can you move your fat bottom so somebody else can get on this blooming seat? You get that a lot. You get that a lot. Some people sit there. Selfish people. Selfish people. They sort of sit there. I always go, excuse me. Can you move, do you think, so perhaps somebody can sit down? It's like when you get school kids sitting in the disabled seats on the buses. I'm the first one to say, excuse me, there's an elderly lady here. Move, move. Happens a lot with sort of overseas people who don't understand the hieroglyphics on the side of the bus. Boy George says serving time in prison was a gift that helped him get his life back on track. 
some woman complaining because a seagull took her biscuit. They're getting bigger and bigger, aren't they? Seagulls. Enormous. Uh, one is not amused. The Queen fuming as Kate's skirt flies up. But there they are, you know, playing around with a bow and arrow. I mean, perhaps they're just... Perhaps they sort of sit at home and they do, you know, let's write rude words on the Scrabble board or something like that. It's all a little bit worrying, isn't it? Uh, they reckon the threesome celeb to be outed today. Court plea over romps gag ruling. And so they're, they're thinking that uh, that could actually come out at some point today. That'll be very interesting, won't it? All of a sudden, everybody will be talking about it, uh, which they have been in other countries. Not, because nobody's particularly interested. And who's the celebrity couple? Uh, I'm throwing this one out at you myself. This morning, I heard a rumour yesterday. In fact, I heard quite a few rumours yesterday. And uh, this is the celebrity couple who've actually separated, but they haven't told anybody they're separating, which is interesting. Uh, plus, uh, cross your legs, we're passing Newbury. Yes, these are the coaches who pull into Newbury bus station. Uh, they reckon about a 1,000 a week, and it gives them a chance to stretch their legs. And then they can walk into the town. Well, the coach drivers, because the uh, the councillors have locked two sets of public toilets, they've said, well, um, we're going to keep driving. We're not going to stop at Newbury. So they could lose out 1,000 people there. Coach drivers said they often made stop-offs in the town, despite their vehicles having... Onboard loose, as many elderly passengers found them difficult to use because of the steep steps leading down to them. So uh, Newbury could become a ghost town. The coach drivers are having nothing to do with it. Um, we got here. I, was, I couldn't find the piece. I was going to give it to you earlier on. And it was where all our money goes. Sorry, where all your money goes. Uh, and which, which countries we send it to. And also, as uh, Didier Drogba faces a probe over the 1.7 million that didn't reach the sick Africans, there are now troubling new questions. Needy African children doing a selfie with him? No. Child in PR photo is England star's grandson. This is Ian Wright's grandson. He's one of three who appears in a sign for a hospital wearing T-shirts for the Didier Drogba Foundation. But the mail has discovered they're not underprivileged children from Drogba's Ivory Coast homeland, but child models, allegedly selected and paid to appear for their physical likeness to the former Chelsea striker. It's unbelievable. Ian Wright says, yes, sir, I've got nothing to do with it. Mr Wright Phillips has not responded to requests for comment. The Didier Drogba Foundation said the star had initially made clear the photo was taken during the advert shoot. Well, it's just, you know, we need to check these things out. So the mail went to these uh, places, and uh, they found frustration and dismay. You can read it all in the mail this morning. Listen, have a fantastic weekend. Do be with me tomorrow morning, please. From five, best of Steve Allen, in conversation from six. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet, and never miss a moment. Follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show, leading Britain's conversation at seven. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. But next, Lisa Aziz with morning news. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen.